0: Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the 300th Talking Comics podcast. After all this time, I am your host Steve Say and joining me for this momentous occasion is Mr. Bob Ryer.
2: Good evening. Greetings and salutations all.
0: <laughs> Mr. Joey Brachino,
2: bone
3: saw is ready. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: wow, okay. <laughs> And joining us for a fairly decent portion of the show is Princeless and the Unstoppable Wasp creator, Jeremy Whitley. How you doing, man?
4: I'm doing great. Glad to be on here with you guys. Happy 300 episodes.
0: Thank you so very much. Indeed. Uh, We have got a very special podcast planned for you this episode. Uh, as later in the show, we'll be joined by a few familiar voices: Eisner Award-winning author Professor uh, Professor Carolyn Coca, the Furiosa of Foggles, Melissa Megan, our comic book Valkyrie Jessica Schaefer, and last but certainly not least, the founder of Talking Comics himself, Bobby Shortle. There Who's might that be again? One... <laughs> there might be another guest as well, but I'm not ready to reveal that just yet. We'll save it. Oh, secrets, secrets. <laughs> So, and uh, along for this wild ride of reflection, comics, and good times, we have some very special comics-related guests for you this show. Uh, Later, we'll be joined by Milkfed Criminal Masterminds Incorporated's own Kit Cox and David Pepos of Spencer and Locke fame. We got a packed house. It's going to be awesome.
2: Yeah. Why should I even be here? I should just go home now.
0: Because yeah. I told you last week, Bobby, for the heart and soul of Talking Comics, you cannot go anywhere. You're bound to the show. Okay. If you leave, I will, I'll track you down. But then all why right. am I here? Oh, Joey, do I need to remind you too? <laughs> <laughs> you told this at the end of the podcast when I tell all you right, all how much it right. means. All right,
2: all all right, right How we're all fired. Right. Yeah, okay, all right, all right.
0: Okay. Okay. All right so, sure, all right. <laughs> uh, in addition to talking with Jeremy for a little bit about what he's got going on, he's going to be joining us for a good old-fashioned lightning round <laughs> lightning rounds and uh yeah and then like i said i listed off a whole bunch of other stuff before a bunch of people are going to stop by and it's going to be awesome so you know thank you so much for joining us for this huge episode we hope that you guys enjoy it and let's kick right into this thing bob so
2: jerry be- before we begin in earnest i just have to give you my biggest thanks for bringing to the comics world so many works that never fail to deliver positive messages, amazing diversity, and empowered female leads, and always in entertaining tales that elicit deep emotional responses—whether smiles or tears, or both together. So thanks, just, just that, just to say that.
4: Thanks, and, Mom. yeah, and yeah. I mean, I, it's it's always uh, a pleasure to—I always, you know, make sure to. Download the podcast first thing Wednesday, whenever I have a, a book come out oh. the week before, so I can uh, <laughs> I can hear like the, the the seal of approval from from you guys is is uh, one of the the most important for me. You know, I, I know uh, if if Bob thinks I'm doing something right, I know I'm going the right. Oh direction.
5: man,
2: <laughs> oh man. Well, you know, oh, oh, I I know we've talked about this. You know, years back, I had come across Princeless. It was sitting on we were all going to tour comics out in Holtzville and, and it was one copy sitting on the counter and I picked it up and I was looking at it and I was like, wow, this is really interesting. I, I really want to pick this up. And I put it down, turned around and it disappeared.
0: I remember that. I was there that day.
2: Right. And, and, and someone walked up and was like, Oh, and you know, I'm old. I tend to forget such things. And then it was a couple, a couple of issues in, I guess, where you would send an email to the podcast that came to me and, you gotta check this out because I hear what you guys are doing, and I did, and absolutely fell in love. I can't tell you how many copies of trades of *Princess* that were mine I've given away, and others I've bought because of what it is. So, you know, that that love goes both ways. We really appreciate what you do. So, amen to that. Look, let me let me start our conversation you know, with what I think is a way too soon ended book. That well, spoiler alert for everyone listening is my in-the-clubhouse leader for Best News Series of 2017, and that's The Unstoppable Wasp. How did this series all come about? How did you get that
4: going? You know, um, it's it's kind of a, a weird thing, because as, as much as um, I feel like I'm closely tied to that book now, it was something that kind of um, dropped on me. Like, um, you know, I had been... Uh, annoying tom Brevort and various other marvel <laughs> editors for for a long time and um you know i had gotten the the story in secret love which i know i believe we've talked about before Oh, love um,
2: that one danny and, and and misty and luke and yeah absolutely
4: yeah With uh, that that whole gang because you know those are those are some of my my favorite characters absolutely bar none and then like and you know, i got a chance to do the the short story in civil war 2 which was supposed to be uh you know, Rhodey's funeral story, which I ended up just basically, uh, being like, what characters do I want to write reacting to this thing? Mm -hmm. And, uh, as a result, got to write, you know, America Chavez and Monica Rambeau and storm and Misty night again. Um, and like, you know, it's little things like that. And I've, you know, had a couple other things I was working on there and, um, you know, I kept bothering Tom and, um, you know, I got a I got an email late on a Friday, which is always when Tom Brevort gets back to you. Uh, that was like, "Hey, I've got this thing that I think you might be good for." Uh, let me talk to you about it on Monday, which is oh, come the on, worst. that's awful. Yeah, yeah, it's it's <laughs> the most painful suffering uh, ever. And and basically, he he came to me and he was like, "Look, did you read the free comic book day story with the new wasp?" Was like, "Yeah, I've read that." Um, he's like, cool, you know, Mark is writing her in Avengers right now. We want to do a series with her, um, you know, sort of spinning out of what he's doing in Avengers with her. And we think you'd be a, a good person to work on that. Does that sound interesting? And I was like, yeah, that, that sounds fantastic. Um, so basically, like, he's just like, yeah, get back to me with, the, you know, sort of an idea of what you'd want to do. And um, I, it just so happened that, like, we were talking about this the week before um awesome con in dc and mark was going to be there as well uh so I, I stopped by you know mark's table and was like so you know you've you created this character she's only been a couple things you know what, what do you think is sort of the core of this character and uh <laughs> i guess to to his credit and i perhaps to my detriment like uh he was like "Ah, oh, yeah you know this this and this and man, you take it. Just do what you want to do. Do what sounds good to you. Like you, you refuse to tell oh. me what to do with her. Um, so I kind of, um, you know, went off on my own. And I was like, you know what? What makes this character special? It's, you know, this sort of combination of intelligence and optimism that, like, is rare in comics, and you know, mm. even it's even rarer to see that in female characters in comics. Um, mm. And I, I just sort of uh, ran with it. The the only thing Mark sort of told me that I needed to look at was there was an issue of uh, um, uh, Age of Ultron that he had written, which was like a um, like a one off issue that was like basically a, a redoing of Hank Pym's origin, which was about you know him um, you know becoming a scientist and like kind of finding his own voice, which was all about like how He's not, you know, he's not Reed Richards. He's not the most intelligent person in the world, but Hank Pym uh, is the sort of person that wants to, that, that creates square bubbles. Why does he create square bubbles? Uh, why not? Because he could, because it didn't yeah. exist before. Um, and like, that was, I think that was maybe the more, the most interesting thing, you know, taking into that was sort of like, is a character who loves science and that's why she does science. It's not necessarily like, a means to an end so like in that first issue you see sort of hank's house and like all the stuff that she's been working on and there's there's a little bit of everything in there and it's all sort of just flowing out of her head um and so i you know i pitched basically what ended up being the first six issues of that story um almost exactly as they are um when they were released and um yeah they they approved it and they they said you know get to work on that and uh, they they hooked me up with with Elsa, who is amazing, um, and who ended up adding a lot of the like really interesting defining touches of that book that that make it what it is. I mean, she's um, you know she and I came up with the idea for doing the interviews in the back together, and um, it was due to sort of her her first image of that giant robot in volume one that had the sort of or an issue one that had the cutaways of like the inside of the robot Mm -hmm. yeah how Um, the the limbs worked and everything absolutely yeah yeah Yeah, and that like that gave birth to like the idea of the um of the Nadia's neat science facts is because she has sort of drawn it like that I didn't have the science fact stuff in there and I was like this is really interesting like what if you know we sort of get the sort of inside Nadia's head of, of seeing how things work and understanding the stuff that you know we wouldn't necessarily know as the audience, and uh, so I spent uh, literally hours going down the internet robotics, wet, uh, you know, rabbit hole, <laughs> trying to like figure out how to explain this in a way that I understood.
5: Um,
4: yeah, and it, it just sort of it came together, you know, almost almost fully formed in that first issue.
2: But well, were you, you you look back and those the back matter? The agents of Girl Genius and Action Research Labs for those keeping score at home, and you should be. That, and and you came to an end. We have Megan Wilson, who's the colorist of the book, who's an honest to goodness scientist. Yeah, as, as your as your final subject of this. So it is. It was just one of those things that when I grew up, way back in you know the Stone Age, the Metal Men, that that comic was. Every issue, you'd get tons and tons of science facts. The melting point of tin is so-and-so, or gold is malleable, and you could stretch one foot of gold into a mile's worth of wire, and those weird things have stuck in my head for 55 years, and I am sure that the science facts that you've thrown out there, there are people who, in the same way they did with, with watching Star Trek episodes or so on, are, are, are going to hold on to That's going to be special. I can do this too. I just because someone else says I can't doesn't mean I have to listen to them. And that that's just such a a great thing to put out there for people. Jeremy really, really truly is.
4: And yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, that's what inspired me going into the book was, you know, having this sort of angle of, of science and female scientists and girls in STEM just in general, um, you know, it was sort of a driving force for me. And I, I wanted to have, you know, a lot of the, the science in the story be, you know, plausible or at least have sort of a, a fine line where it jumped over from being, you know, science to being, like, science fiction, um, mm-hmm. you know, and sort of build to that point. Um, so, like, yeah, the the idea of, like, having something to bridge that gap between, like, girls girls, in comics can do science to, like, there are actual, like, you know, amazing women out there doing these things, um, you know, in the back that you can, you know, you can go see their work. You can look them up on Twitter was, like, that was a, a big thing to me. Like, once we, once that kind of fell into place that, um, like, when uh, Elsa and I were talking about it, uh, I was like, we have to do this. This has to happen. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, we sort of, we sort of roughed it out by initially doing that, that first issue I did the interviews without, you know, sort of, uh, an absolute yes or no from, from Marvel because like, uh, you know, both, uh, both Rachel and, um, uh, um, oh goodness, uh, (laughs) both, uh, both people being interviewed that are actual friends of mine. Um, so, you know, I actually, it's like, okay, this is what I'm thinking of doing. Would you guys mind if I interviewed you? And, you know, this may may not turn out to be anything, but hopefully it makes mm-hmm. it in. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Marvel ate it up, and then eventually, like, Disney ate it up and did a big article about what we were doing there, which was super cool.
5: Wow.
2: Love it. And your finale in Issue 8, I hate to say to people, if you haven't been picking up The Unstoppable Wasp, <laughs> for all I've been saying... You, you guys, you guys missed the boat.
0: Those the last trade, two issues, in particular,
4: killed yeah.
0: me. Killed me.
2: Uh, just, the tr- the trade is out mm. this week, right? Uh,
4: yes, I think so. Um, is it
2: this week or next week. So those I who believe. missed it can can get what Steve is saying. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go, Steve.
0: You no, about I'm, the last two issues. I'm just phoning. I, I okay. Really, really. I mean from beginning to end and going back and, and rereading it to catch up with some of the issues that I'd missed. Like I really, really enjoyed kind of the the journey of the characters in the book. Those last two issues with Janet in particular though, were just so incredibly rich with character and emotion. And, and I just thought it was beautiful. It was, it was hands down one of the best things I've read so far this year. Like not even this year, just in general, like you're like reading your stuff, throughout the years i'm going to kiss your butt for just a minute um it's been really awesome to to see the evolution of your work and you know like we're not close or anything like that but like there's a there's a certain level of of pride that you have for people that you've had you know talks with or you've shared a podcast with or you've met at cons and you waited in lines with and stuff like that
4: absolutely
0: and just reading it and being like damn jeremy like good job dude like this is yeah. <laughs> this is so good and and you know, I'm not just saying that because because you come onto the show and stuff like that. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. It's really, really, really good stuff. And I'm just, I'm so stoked for for everything that you have going on right now, man. You are, you know, you've really, really made a mark and like, you're just getting started. It's so cool. Thanks.
4: Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I really appreciate that, Steven. I mean, it's, I, I feel the same thing for, like, you know, a lot of the people that I, I feel like I've come up with, both in comics and podcasting, where, like, you know, I see somebody get a job, and even if I'm like, ah, oh, I don't like that job, I'm like, ah, but like, Teeny's really great. <laughs> like, Mags is gonna kill that shit. So, yeah. like, <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's great to like kind of see people succeeding and feel like even if even if you don't really, even if it's not an actual success on your part, you feel like, yeah, that's that's one for the, the good guys. Good, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, I think. It's it was really tough for me to like hold off on doing on bringing Janet into the book that long. Cause I, I was, you know, we had some talks when we were, you know, first sort of plotting out the book. The only, the only thing that I had difficulty with was when I was first starting, uh, putting together, you know, the, the team for girl is, I was you know, thinking about trying to like bring in all these like Marvel universe characters. Cause I, love the Marvel Universe. It's so full of, you know, great great characters that, you know, I'd love to see more of, love to bring into the fold for this story. And, um, you know, Tom sort of sat me down by email and was like, look, if you pull in all these characters that have, you know, these huge histories, they're going to overshadow the character that this book is about. And, like, you want this book to be about Nadia um, because, you know, it's going to live and die with your main character. So, you know, you can bring in these new characters and you can do things with them. But if you uh, rely too heavily on this other stuff, you're going to, she's going to get lost. And I, I think to his credit, that was the right thing. Um, because not only did we end up like creating these, you know, this awesome team of, of new characters in girl, but like getting to like that point where we bring in Janet and, uh, you know, issue seven and like it changes the whole perspective, you know, um, it gave me a chance to like really shift to the voice of the book because Nadia is so excitable and, um, you know, talks so much um, and has has so much to say. And is also so excited about everything that having that, you know, sort of cool, intelligent, you know, perspective of that cool, savvy perspective of Janet um, really, you know, it makes you kind of sit up and pay attention and then like, you know, uh, what we effectively did was just like nail people with feelings for two straight yes, issues. Did. You know, for, yes, you did for 40 <laughs> pages. It's just like, take
2: this and this, and this. Yeah. punches in the gut. But you know yeah. what? It was, it was so perfect because the way you played that was Janet, who we've known for all these years and you provided her. I'm a long time reader. Some of the greatest Janet Van Dyne moments in her fifth, the some odd year history, to my way of reading, and she look she names the Avengers. Okay, folks, for those who don't know that, she actually she's the person who comes up with that. Her 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 conversations with Nadia or, or her internal monologues, I didn't I didn't want to know about kids. Didn't want to think about that. And as she sees the ladies of girl and sees what's happening, and I am not going to spoil the finale. But those moments near the end of that book, I've read the book, I think, a half a dozen times, and I've teared up every single time. It is just some of the most human, wonderful stuff, and completely in character with both, that Janet is so into this person who at some level might remind her of herself, but is completely different at once, is who she wants to be. Look, the, in our 300 episodes, I think this issue eight is right up there with. I was mentioning we're, we're time traveling we're, with Kit Cox about some Captain Marvel issues with Captain Marvel 17, which is one of my favorite single issues ever. And this unstoppable wasp is number eight. Number eight is right there with it. How long did it take you to plan out these two issues, considering you're in the middle of a crossover event and you managed none of that none of that flummery? you just get to tell your story and how, how did you get to sneak that through the cracks?
4: Honestly, I think, <laughs> I think some of it is that, um, that we knew we weren't going to be around at that point is like, yeah, okay. you know, we knew that this book wasn't going to last till the end of uh, secret empire. So like, they were like, no, it's fine. Go ahead. And you don't have to do anything with it. You know, just tell your story. Um, and it, it was it was interesting because what had happened is you know we got the the six issue story sort of okayed and planned off the bat and um, you know I, I was way ahead on the writing of it and you know at some point I, I hit the end of what we had been approved for and I said all right Tom like let me know when we can go when we're approved for more if we're approved for more and I, I sort of you know occasionally would just email him and be like hey so <laughs> more more comics. Um, and eventually uh, he was like okay yeah you can go you can go ahead and do seven and eight and then um at at one point uh, the numbers came in for I think it was issue three and uh, he came to me and said look uh, they're asking if you can wrap it up at issue six um, you know do you do do we stop there um, and I said absolutely not <laughs> you told me yes. I can go through eight I I know what I'm going to do with these two issues. It's going to be phenomenal. It's going to give the story the ending it wants. Uh, we, we want it to have. Uh, we can't do six issues. And I basically like wrote him an essay to to give to the uh, the higher ups about like why. <laughs> and you know, basically the uh, you know the next week he was like, "Okay, you've got seven and eight. That's it. At that point, it's over." Um, so you know, make sure you stick the landing. Um, And yeah, I'm not a big person for outlining, which is is part of why the first several issues of of WASP kind of flow the way they do. It's a very, has kind of a light feel to it, I think. Mm -hmm. But like, once I I got to issue eight, I was like, okay, I know I need to hit all of these notes. Uh, So like, I'm like, page by page, what am I going to do on each page? I got to find a way to cut this down. This is, you know... We have to this is important, but we can't stop there. So um yeah, I mean there's there are things there are like four or five things that happen in issue eight that like I could have written an entire issue about. Um you know, the the big conversation between uh Janet and Nadia about Hank is like it's two pages. Like that's it. It could be most of an issue. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um But I was like, we got two pages to get this done. We got to get on to, you know, the party scene. We got to get on to the the end of this story. Um, So, yeah, it's just packing in as as much as we possibly could in there. And, like, I I owe, you know, the world to both, you know, Rosie and Ted and uh, Joe, who letters it, for, like, getting all of that in there. Yeah. Because, you know, there's... Uh, throughout the whole series, I was like, I I have to be torturing Joker and Ragnar because like Nadia talks so much, um, <laughs> you know. It's it's just luckily for him that like Elsa leaves that the right amount of room most of the time. You know, cause she's she's very good at like looking at the the dialogue and seeing how much room that's going to take up.
2: It it works so well because that was some very important dialogue between Jen and Nadia about Hank and that story from all those years ago about him being abusive. And it pulls into play what will then come next for, for these two characters, which just absolutely makes you smile, makes you cry, breaks your heart, gives you hope in the world all at once. And that's really something special. And you, you did mention Rosie and Ted we had Veronica Fish, the issue before. Also yeah. amazing. And, and Rosie and
4: Fantastic.
2: Ted. Yeah. Uh, R- Rose Stein and Ted Brandt, who work with you on Raven. And it, it, it's as if you didn't miss a beat. Elsa's amazing. And it's still the same vibe. Was that a conscious decision as you picked the next set of artists? Or did it just sort of, who's going to make this work sort of thing?
4: You know that uh, I owe that as much as anything to to Alana Smith, who's the um, you know the editor on the book. Um, you know, along with Revoyot, but you know she she does a lot of the uh, day-to-day hard work. And like, she was like, "Yeah, Elsa has to leave at six, but you know it looks like uh, we're gonna get Veronica fish for seven. Would that be okay?" And I was like, "Veronica's amazing. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. that would be okay." Because uh, yeah, I, I was reading. Uh, or roller derby book is it uh smash is slam slam slam. Slam. yeah and slam is amazing so i was like yes absolutely let's have her on this this story where you know janet and nadia are are fighting um you know actual supervillains for once um Mm -hmm. and then uh yeah and yeah then it turned out she couldn't do eight and uh alana had, had been my editor on the uh the champions story that i did with with uh, raw and ted as well um for monsters unleashed um and you know that story had been one where i i got to recommend them for that story and uh you know sent send in pages of of raven to uh the editors to like get them to sign off on on them working with me on uh champions and then you know this time Alana was like yeah, do you want to do Rowan and Tan on this book? Would you Would you like to have them on there? And I was like, that would be fantastic. Yeah, what a because, great way to finish. Yeah, yeah. As as great as they are at everything, I think the thing that really stands out to me with them is is the acting and like facial expressions that that they can put into books and like. I mean, that's incredibly important for obvious reasons in that last issue. Yeah. Yep.
2: We've done a lot of Wasp. You have so many other things, so let's just jump right in. Announced at San Diego Comic-Con was Princeless the movie. Yeah. Uh, Live action, animated. How involved are you going to get to be
4: with this? We want you completely involved. (laughs) Um, You know, so far it's been uh, kind of I'm I'm as involved as I want to be. Um, You know, I I had some people ask me why I was not uh, planning on writing it. like the, the answer is one that I'm not a screenwriter. Um, you know, I, I want somebody who's got you know, a, a practice hand knows what they're doing uh, writing this story. Um, and you know, we have a fantastic writer in Stephanie Robinson who's you know, worked on uh, Atlanta and is working on um, you know the Deadpool animated series over there at uh, FX now. Um, so I, I think she's going to do an amazing job. Um, you know, right now, what they're talking about is is doing something live action, um, yeah. Which which really excites me, especially because, like, I think going in, I was like, well, obviously, it's going to be animated. Like, you know, it feels, you know, to me like like an animated thing, partially because you know it's it's a somewhat cartoony, you know, all ages book. Um, but Sony is is really interested in doing it, um, you know, live action and, and willing to invest the, you know time and money that that entails to it. And like, I'm, I'm all for that. I'd love to see, you know, a real, real live, you know, 16 year old, uh, Adrian out there, you know, riding dragons and fighting, uh, knights and all that stuff. Yeah.
2: Uh, as I know, Steve is a huge animation fan. We all are. Mm-hmm. And as great as that would be, live action pulls it into something different, different audience, doesn't necessarily put it to the to the matinee audience. It's it's for everyone and slightly older children and those of us who are adults who are still kind of children at heart. Are we gonna I have to ask this because it's my, one of my favorite issues ever also. It's in issue three, your sexism in the armor history with Bedelia, are we gonna get to see some of that? Please say yes
4: um I'm not really sure right now it's still we're still you know, heading into the actual the actual part where people are doing <laughs> the writing. Um, so you know, I haven't haven't seen anything yet, but I I would absolutely imagine that that's gonna make the transition because yeah, right. the um, the folks at Sony like read the first volume of it separate from anything we were doing, working on trying to get something together, um, and like they loved the first volume enough that like they they sought out us and our producers to um, you know talk about doing something with it. So that's yeah, I'm sure. If you know, the first volume had that much impact. You know that that third issue with with Bedelia and yeah, sexism in the armor industry yeah. is. Uh, I think the real the real heavy punch of that volume.
2: Oh, I'm um, fingers crossed for you. I I do want to see that. Um, hmm. w- while we're in the in the comics realm, what is coming up for either the Princess Crew or Raven, the Pirate Princess?
4: Um. So, uh, Raven is the next thing coming up. Uh in October, so it's actually currently in previews, pre-orderable now, is uh, the first issue of of year two of Raven the Pirate Princess, which is called uh, Raven Love and Revenge. Um, Mm. And so that's, that is starting up in October, and it's going to be monthly for at least the next uh, 13 issues. Um, We've already got, like, five issues done. We've got two, Uh, we've got a Artist working on the first volume, uh, Zinnia Pamphil, who did, um, who's done other books with Action Lab. And then, uh, we're, we're working with another artist on the the next volume after that. Um, and so Zinnia is going to be leapfrogging and going to the, the following volume. So we're, we're going to work on that. And then, uh, Emily and I have actually already finished, um, volume six of princeless. And, uh, that's, that's going to be going straight to trade actually. Um, because oh. a lot of the single issue publishing stuff sort of got caught up in uh, us working out contracts between us and Action Lab and movie producers and stuff like that. So we ended up sitting on some issues for a while. So now, uh, you know, rather than make people wait to get it monthly, we're going to get that whole uh, sixth volume out in November, um, I like and that. it's going to yeah, yeah get an epic to instead of the, that's where we do most of our our sales for this book anyway is in trade so um, you know we'll jump in there that wraps up the story that was started in volume five and then uh, starting in January we're going uh, monthly again with that as well
2: ah, see, that nice mixture now I know my colleagues came found a new story today mm-hmm. so go for it fellas because I'm you know I'm not on the internet as much as I should be go for it.
0: Well, uh, Jeremy, why don't you you, you announce something pretty big today, and uh, why don't you tell everybody what it is?
4: Yeah, so it's something I've had to be I've had to sit on for a while here because uh, people keep asking me like if I'm doing anything else for Marvel after Wasp, and I keep having to say yes, but I can't talk about it. Um, they finally announced it today. It's a six-issue mini series called uh, Thor versus Hulk: Champions of the Universe. Oh. Um, so it's uh it's gonna be uh, digital first it's a comicsology exclusive it's the only the the second book that Marvel's done with uh, directly with Comixology so far um, so it it is gonna be coming out actually I think pretty quickly through comicsology um, but it's a big fun um, fairly fairly epic story with, uh, with Hulk and Thor That's sort of our own, uh, our own twist, our own spin on the, uh, the classic, uh, contest of champions kind of idea. Um, you know, the, the idea is that the champion of the universe has, has come to earth to, uh, prove his greatness. And, uh, he, you know, being the champion of the universe, he can only deign to fight one champion from earth. Um, so his, uh, his new promoter has put together this idea of uh, having the two prospective champions from Earth, Hulk and Thor, clearly the uh, mightiest and most incredible uh, of the heroes of Earth, uh, go through this series of, of contests against one another. And uh, whoever comes out the winner will, will face the champion to uh, determine the fate of Earth. Wow. Ooh.
2: I'm loving that. And it starts... Almost immediately,
4: soon. I'm um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure of the exact release date, but um, it is coming soon. It is. Uh, we are trekking through getting it done very quickly because uh, uh, I have there's two two pencilers on the book. Um, I have turned around. Um, I think five issues in the last two months on this story. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm So I'm writing and editing them two at a time because we're leapfrogging. Um, so the first third and fifth issue will be, uh, Simone Buenfantino, who is a, uh, Italian artist who is, uh, this is his first Marvel work and his, his work is fantastic.
5: Um,
4: it stuff looks really good. Um, everybody's going to be really, really stunned with this guy. I imagine in a year he will be drawing all the books. Um, and then uh, the second, fourth, and sixth issue uh, are Alti Fermancia, who, uh, if anybody who read X-Men 92, uh, she illustrated that series, has done a lot of uh, work for Marvel, and she is extremely talented and just a, a dream to work with. She's one of the, the nicest people I've ever met. You got us hooked, I can tell you that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's a little – yeah, it's funny because um, – I was remarking to, to somebody when they were asking about it that, like, I've been writing, I've been writing comics for, like, seven years, been writing for Marvel for three, and this is the first time that I'm going to be writing a story that's uh, about uh, two large men punching things. Like,
5: <laughs> <laughs>
4: you know, it's uh, Hulk and Thor are, uh, as much as I love them, a little bit outside of, of what's been my sort of oeuvre in comics um, and like it's is fun to get to write a big, uh, fun and occasionally dumb story about, uh, you know, two two really the two biggest guys uh, punching things and hitting things with hammers and you know shooting <laughs> bolts of electricity. So
2: uh, yeah. if you if you had a dream character to work on in comics, big two smaller books, who would who would that be or who would they be and who would your dream collaborator be?
4: Oh, that is tough. Um, yeah, I've I've gotten to work on a lot of the the characters that I I really love. Like, I would I think my my sort of dream project would be to do an actual um, Misty Knight led book. Um, oh, yeah, have you know a solo title for her because mm-hmm. she hasn't ever had one as many times as she's been a part of Heroes for Hire, Daughters of the Dragon, or uh, fearless defenders like she's always like almost always second fiddle to somebody and even you know, when she's not as is, is one of a large cast of characters um and i would love to see i'd love to be able to kind of do with her what you know I, I got to do with janet which is sort of get inside that character's head and talk from their perspective in a way that is very rarely done um you know with with that character and in a large part with like a lot of the female characters have been around the Marvel universe for a long time. They're, you know, characters who are part of a large cast and don't necessarily have an internal monologue or a personal life that we know about. Um, Yeah. Which was, I think what set like Kelly Sue's Captain Marvel and Ms. Marvel apart is like, that those are characters who, you know, have thoughts and uh, ideas and personal lives and things like that, that, Uh, we so rarely glimpse from, from a lot of the characters that have been around for a while.
2: Right on. Awesome. Yeah. With, with Misty on television now, this is time to pitch it, Jeremy. Yeah. I mean,
4: don't, don't think I haven't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. I, I would love to work with Misty. I'd love to work with America Chavez. Um, you know, I, I, got to slide her into, uh, you know, that, uh, civil war story I was working on. Um, I, uh, Katie Bishop has always been on that list, but I I think she is well handled right now. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, Kelly's doing yeah, a fantastic sure. job on that. Um, you know, I would love to to write a book for Janet, like, and a, you know, a Janet or Janet Nadia centered book. Um, obviously, that's become sort of they've they've become sort of personal to me. Um, on the other side, for for DC, um, I would love. To, to get to write um, Vixen or... Uh, I mean, obviously I'd love to write a Wonder Woman story. Um, I'd love to write Batwoman at some point. Um, but those, are, those characters have been pretty well served recently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to do something with uh, you know, a, a Black Canary or Zatanna or, or somebody like that. I, I love... Those, you know, sort of big, larger-than-life-type characters. Mm-hmm.
0: James Tynan is doing some amazing stuff with Zatanna right now and Detective. I was just reading oh, that yeah. last
4: night. Detective, is, Detective Comics is basically a list of characters that I want to write. So. <laughs> <laughs> if, awesome. if James ever is not writing all of them, then, you know, you can feel free to send a couple of them my way
0: indeed. Uh Bob, unless you have any more questions, no, I think I'm we might want to go into some lightning rounds. I'm
2: for that. I'm for that. Jeremy, thanks so much. This was a lot of fun and it's going to get crazy right
0: now. I'm thinking. <laughs> so All right, thanks. you guys, we uh are bringing the lightning round back for this special episode of the Talking Comics podcast. I'm going to let Bob lead the storm with uh his stuff. I'm going to bring out the old stopwatch. Okay, let's see which, if I can still do this. Which I can't wait to go over my time. I got a, got a whole thing written out, and it's going to take me forever to read it because so I'm going to trip all of my words like I usually do. Okay, stopwatch. Uh, nope, timer. Here we go. That's even better. Okay, you ready, Bob? Yep. All right, so this is Bob's
2: lightning round and go. Okay, first off and quickly there's Bitch Planet Triple Feature number three, but as we'll be talking to Kit Cox, the co-creator of a story in that issue, we'll move on to DC Bombshells number thirty-three by Marguerite Bennett, which wonderfully closes Act One. And Act Two begins in Bombshell's number one next month, so you don't have to wait too too long. Wonder Woman twenty eight, Shea Fontana and Dave Messina on the art picks up the story from the last two. As Etta is home from the hospital after the bombing of her brother's wedding by Dr. Shannon Crawford, but Etta may be out of the hospital, but she's not out of trouble, as we're beginning to see more of the woven web that threatens to ensnare Wonder Woman. Thor 22, Jason Aaron and Valeria Shidey features more of Volsog as the War Thor, waging a fierce battle with Sindor, the Fire Queen, and he's willing to destroy Muspelheim after the attacks through the whole Loki-Malki thing, the problem is, the problem is, the mighty Thor might have a differing opinion of destroying even little flame babies. Just super stuff, (laughs) as usual, by by Jason Aaron. Luke Cage number four, David F. Walker, Nelson Blake II, just delivers more really great old-school hero for action, balance of action and mystery. And then we've got Batwoman number six, Marguerite Bennon, James Tynan. And this is a sort of futurist feel because we've got a story arc that begins in year five of the reign of the Batman. It's a whole different thing going on there. So I, I think it, it could end up into some crossover stuff, but I really love what they did there, a sort of future Kate and... Renee Montoya, lots of stuff. Now, we have two finales, kind of. The Ultimate Squared 100, which is so mind-blowingly cosmic that it it can barely be described in 30 minutes, let alone 30 seconds that I have here. So suffice it to say that Al Ewing's story is the ultimate ultimates in many more ways than one. Oh. Oh, Uh, Here we go. 100 ways. Yeah, yeah, 10 squared. Now then, Silver Surfer 13 is the penultimate issue of what has become one of my favorite runs of all time. Hmm. Although it could be the swan song for a beloved character from these pages. As in the Ultimates, we go back to the universe before, and Dorn Greenware and Norn Rad find themselves in the company of Galen of Ta, he who will become Galactus. To avoid changing all that will be, they have to make a very difficult decision that is beautifully touching uh, laugh out loud, funny, dance lot, Michael Lore all <laughs> red. cosmic and true humanity to be concluded next issue.
0: Oh. Oh I
3: Very like that good. sorry,
2: I was fourteen seconds over. Yeah. I apologize.
3: I like that light Christmas ringtone that's gonna yeah. bring us out Isn't there. it it's a little less harsh
0: than what <laughs> we used to have. <laughs> Yeah, it's like uh, the the fallout siren going off it when you were a done. Yeah.
4: Yeah, it's a little more like the opening to, to uh, Mr. Sandman. Yeah,
0: yeah, it sounds. I think it sounds a little bit like the
3: Jetsons. Mr. Sandman, and look where that yes. was! Bum,
0: bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Multiple <laughs> I, stabbings and deaths. Good I knew we would get around to singing at some point. <laughs> All right, Bob uh, Wonderful job dusting nice. off the old Lightning round, Mr. Joey
3: All right, this is going to be a hot you mess are, You ready? You're
0: next, do it All right, ready?
3: Okay. And three minutes on the clock and go divinity number zero valiant book matt kent and renato guedes on art so again i made an effort this summer of reaching into the valiant universe and checking out number one so when this number zero dropped i was like well that's clearly for me and for the most part it is so i'm gonna try and do this in a lightning round so There's this cosmonaut dude named Abram who was like out in space with two other cosmonauts in 1960 and encountered this strange energy force which gave him the energy to return home as this divinity character with the ability to move through time and space, sort of like Dead Man from DC, like he's this omniscient dude who not everybody can see, I think. Anyway, when he came back from space 30 years later, the universe is like not how he remembered. Apparently, his lover Mishka, who was also a cosmonaut, used some special power to come back to Earth too, but in doing so, turned the third cosmonaut into a crazy monster who unleashed a hallucinogen on Earth that put everyone on the planet into an alternate reality divinity beat this guy but there was some sort of butterfly effect stuff went on and things are different there are people who are heroes who shouldn't be there are characters that exist that shouldn't be etc etc anyway most of this issue which looks like some crazy clayton crane mike del Mundo mashup with white lettering super epic Ooh. follow yeah right follows abram as he tours the globe and interacts with all these valiant characters exo manowar Ninjack, bloodshot etc tries to reconcile their place in the universe then he goes home to mishka it's crazy but i think i got it it was very much a survey of the entire universe issue which i appreciated as a new reader um i will say that the valiant universe is like it's crazy complicated despite being so young but i'm very very interested um spy seal number one by rich tomaso he did she-wolf a few months back Spy Seal? What a trip. This book is set in London during the Cold War. Stars an anthropomorphic seal named Malcolm who just wants to go to this art studio with his anthropomorphic bird friend Sylvia and they get attacked by wolf assassins during a performance piece. So Malcolm, a (laughs) seal, gets caught up in the intrigue and signs on with MI6 as a spy seal. Fun illustration from Tommaso which looks totally different from his work on She-Wolf and uh, the writing is a little dense though which I thought was a bit too dense given the levity of the kind of conceit of the series but i still dug it um genius cartel number one a new image book from mark martin adam freeman rosa camp and brad simpson i didn't dig this one as much um for reasons but how much time do i have
0: 40 seconds.
3: 40 seconds. Okay, we'll get you into can go,
0: it. You can go over, dude. Don't worry. This
3: one was tough uh, with Genius Cartel. The idea is cool. It's like a secret murder squad of super genius activists and millennials. Uh, but unfortunately, the book kind of spirals away from any sort of measured, astute social commentary. It kind of boils down to kind of a simple action thriller, which would be fine if it didn't lean into those social elements so hard. Uh, the protagonist is a Black Lives Matter activist and she keeps bringing it up. So I'm like, talk about it. Don't just bring me into an action scene um on some pages i actually found the use of uh that movement in particular kind of offensive in some ways so this was a skip for me uh and finally generations wolverine um i just want to say that i know you guys talked about generations gene gray last week and weren't so into it i've read hulk and wolverine generations and i actually really dug Both of them as kind of legacy one shots. Uh, Mm -hmm. I like this idea of kind of dropping the modern iteration of the character into the kind of early days of the old character and seeing how they reconcile what that character means. So, here with Laura and a young Logan, I just, there's something, there's a great energy here from Tom Taylor and Ramon Rosanas, and some great poignant father daughter moments that I may or may not have cried at. So, I, I I like Generations Wolverine a lot. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Huzzah! Good job, man. Thank you. Yay! The lightning round. I don't know how I feel about the lightning round after all this time. I kind of like it, but then sometimes, sometimes I don't. I still want, right. I
3: still feel like I have to throw up every time I have to do a lightning round. So.
0: <laughs> these are good. I I th- these lightning rounds are great. I just sometimes sometimes personally I I feel like a little too soundbitey. When I do the lightning round, because you try to get in so much information within a finite period of time. But that being said, we're going to do these anyway and march on into uh, we'll do my lightning round and then we'll hit up uh, Jeremy for a couple of books as well. All right. Another oh, no. no,
4: catcher's mount
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. I'm yeah. going to this whole this whole cave is going to come crashing down as I uh, barrel through my books. I'm actually going to skip one of these. Okay. Ah, three minutes on the clock, and go. I read Batman Metal, number one. The Justice League are trapped in an arena and are being forced to engage in gladiatorial combat by order of Mongol. Yeah, that guy. After solving the puzzle of the arena and breaking free Voltron-style, yes, you heard me, Voltron-style, we soon discover that Kendra Saunders, Hawkgirl, Uh, Legends of Tomorrow and other stuff too, has been hanging around in a Phantom Frequency universe where she's discovered an entirely new material called Nth Metal. Batman steals it, bad stuff happens, oh and there's a huge character reveal on the last page. Uh, Hey, look, I dug it. It's my philosophy that when Snyder and Capullo get together on a Batman book, it's going to be pretty good. So, uh, I mean... I'm on board. They 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 talk directly about the multiverse, how it functions, what it means for all of that stuff in this book. I haven't seen a whole lot of that since that was introduced a while back, and um, it's cool looking, man. Like it's you know it's Capullo doing his thing, and he's had all this time on on this character and this title. For all those years they were doing the book that, I mean, he's just continuing to do incredibly visual stuff. And of course, Snyder knows the character and so on. Um, I'm up for it. It's a really big event, so it's a little intimidating, but I'm going to keep running with it. Moving right along. Gotham City Garage. Number one. Bob mentioned this to me. It's a digital comic. It's Blade Runner meets Demolition Man meets Daughters of Anarchy. Uh okay. <laughs> catch my drift. Get it drift. Okay. So far, it's different than what I'd imagined, and I like that it surprised me. Uh it's a pre-powers Kara Danvers as our lead uh for this one. And so far, she comes off as super, super cool. She's in this whole like crazy future world that she's like flying around on discs, and there are Batman cops everywhere. The art by Brian ching is fantastic. Kelly Fitzpatrick kills it on colors. I'm uh totally on board. The final, the final two-page spread is just one of those like, oh hell yeah, kind of moments. Uh moving right along, I read Buzzkill. Uh it's a four four-issue mini from uh, Dark Horse Comics, Donnie Cates, Mark, um, oh my god, I can't pronounce your name. Renesic, George, uh Jeff Shaw, and Lauren Aff. Ruben is not your average alcoholic. He's an unstoppable superhero who derives his powers from imbibing massive amounts of alcohol. After all the disasters it, uh, after all the disasters it's caused in his personal life, he's ready to get clean and the city's supervillains couldn't be happier. This is a really really incredible book. Uh, if you liked the uh, Luther Strode series, you definitely want to give Buzzkill uh, a try. And uh, just super quick, if you guys ever bothered to check out Paybacks that I talked about a while ago, Buzzkill is kind of a precursor to Paybacks where um, characters and so forth show up from it, one in particular. And it's a hilarious thing that this character shows up in a lot of Gates's uh, other work. And what else? I'll do one more, even though I'm out of time. Oh, you guys, Order Girl number eight. I talk about this book every damn podcast, every time that I can. This was the revelation issue, if you will, where a question that I asked myself at the end of issue one has finally been answered and was delivered upon in spades. I love this book and it hit me real hard. I don't cry a lot at comics, but I got really damn close. Uh, with this one the other night. And uh, Terry Moore is just doing a phenomenal, phenomenal job with this book. There's only two more issues left. And I can't wait to see how it wraps up. That is my extended lightning round. Awesome. This podcast. Thank you. All right. Let's move on to our next lightning round for our guest, Jeremy. I'm going to put you on the clock, man.
4: All right. Obviously, feel we'll free the- to go over. With- there two? A terrible <laughs> clock. You're,
2: you're a guest so don't worry
4: <laughs> yeah yeah All right. just gonna um, go on for half an hour yep. okay cool this is my 30 minute lightning round
0: <laughs>
4: alright you've got
0: three, three minutes on the clock and go
4: alright so the funny thing about being a, a comic book writer is the more comics you write the less time you have to read comics um, so I am way behind on monthly stuff so I just decided to talk about things that I wanted to talk about um, so, uh, the thing that has been at the top of my list, uh, recently is Motor Crush, which everybody knows about and is fantastic and is the most beautiful book that, uh, you think you know what it's about in issue one and then you think you know what it's about in issue two and then it turns out to be about something completely different. Um, you know, it's, it's an amazing book by, you know, the former team Batgirl, um, and you know, Babs's, uh, illustration is, is fantastic, um. The other monthly series I wanted to talk about is uh, Quantum Teens or Go, nice. which is uh, yeah, Max uh not a book that isn't called Kim and Kim. Uh,
5: <laughs>
4: it's uh, it's penciled by Eric Donovan. It is a beautiful and an interesting story about you know teenagers and science and time travel uh, in a completely different way than uh, anything to do with the Wasp. Uh, so you know it's it's an interesting. For me to read is, is sort of a, a counterpoint um, to kind of what I've, I've been in the midst of doing. Um, I also recently read uh, Deadpool Bad Blood, which is uh, by, by my friends Chris Sims and Chad Bowers, with illustrations by some guy named Rob Leifeld um, <laughs> It's <laughs> Deadpool, and it's a lot of fun, and uh, they're they're really good at punchy one-liners, which makes them great Deadpool writers. Uh, but that book has sold a ton of copies and does not need me to sell more. So uh, you know, if you haven't checked it out and you like Deadpool, uh, do that. And if you like Deadpool, you probably already have checked it out. Um, there you go. I have been reading a, a book which was recommended to me on the basis of the art called Lumine. Uh, oh, yeah, man. Written and illustrated by Ben Gall. Yes. Um, I'm about halfway through it and the plot makes zero sense. Yeah. Uh, but the art <laughs> is gorgeous. <laughs> the, you know the, the characters all, all wear sort of preposterous costumes, but like it's, it's beautifully rendered and, and Bengal's art is amazing and uh, this book is, is you don't even really have to read it. you can just kind of flip through it and look at the pictures and like it's really pretty. Uh, you know it's a nice big hardcover and I got it for I think 10 bucks online. Um, from Magnetic Press. Um, if you haven't checked out the Vixen miniseries that Bengal Illustrated and G. Willow Wilson wrote from a few years back, um, it's called Return of the Lion, I think. Uh, that is amazing, and you should check it out. But uh, yeah, Lumine is definitely worth looking at. Um, I also, uh, recently at a, a convention I was uh, at, picked up a, um, it's not exactly a comic. Uh, it's called uh, Romance... Extra crispy, Um, and it's basically a a combination between a a comic book and a uh, dating sim. Um, So basically, it's uh, you're reading slash playing as this uh, character who's at a cookout, and uh, there's a variety of cookout-related problems and also a variety of romance-related problems uh, that you have to figure out uh, what to do with. Yeah. It's uh, written by Emily C. McLean and illustrated by Yesenia uh, Moises, and it's a really, really cool book. If you can find them at a convention, it's definitely worth picking up, um, and so a lot of fun to, you know, play, uh, play a comic book. Um, and the other thing which has been on my mind a lot recently uh, as I was rereading this, uh, I have the uh, first volume of Icon, which is called A Hero's Welcome, uh, written by Dwayne McDuffie and uh, illustrated by uh, M.D. Bright. And it is a wonderful piece of Milestone Comics. It is probably the the keystone of Milestone Comics in that uh, it introduces Icon and uh, Rocket, who uh, are, are two of my favorite underused characters that are... Theoretically, part of the DC universe, but uh, almost never show up. Um, but it is about Icon, who uh, you may have heard this part before somewhere. Is a uh, alien who landed on Earth as a child and was adopted by uh, some some kind strangers. Um, only Icon's mother was a uh, African American slave, and uh, he lived through through slavery, and then sort of came up and is a uh, rich industrialist of sorts um, who has sort of gotten comfortable in in being rich and, uh, you know, doesn't really use all the superpowers he has from being an alien until um, a a group of teenagers try to uh, rob his house, and he becomes sort of entangled with them and as a as a consequence of that becomes entangled in this whole outbreak of superpowers that's, that's going on in and around the city, which is sort of what milestone comics is about. And, um, you know, sort of the, uh, unfair treatment and, and, um, police brutality that is going on surrounding, um, you know, the, the poor and black people who live in these neighborhoods that are affected by this. And, um, You know, he basically decides to to show up to do the Superman thing at one point. And uh, it's like, all right, officers, I'm here to help. And all the cops try to shoot at him. Um, So it's a great book for anybody who's never read any Milestone stuff. That is the place to start. And it is available in trade. You can pick it up probably online, but definitely in your comic store. Um, So if if you ever wanted to know what Milestone Comics or Dwayne McDuffie are about, that is your place to start.
2: All right. Dwayne oh. McDuffie, greatly missed. It's a stupendous voice. Icon was always to me this wonderful marriage of. It was that late Silver Age, early Bronze Age, where we were going to start to really talk about social issues, and I- Icon was sort of yes, obviously from it's Superman, it's Batman, it's Oliver Queen. We've got so many things swirled in and yet from a, such a different perspective that it touched so many other things. Just an absolutely great book. Awesome pick, Jeremy. Awesome pick. Mm
0: -hmm. Thank you. Fantastic. Uh, Thank you so much, Jeremy, for coming to hang out with us tonight. And uh, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you online and how they can uh, get their paws on your books.
4: Uh, so I am on Twitter at uh, jrome58, so it's J-R-O-M-E-5-8. Um, I'm also on Tumblr at uh, princelesscomic.tumblr.com. Um, I have a website which is completely useless, uh, which is uh, jeremywhitley.com at some point. I'm going to fix that, I swear. Um, I have currently in previews that you can pre-order, uh, I am writing uh, Vampirella, um, starting with, uh, issue number eight, which is in previews right now, um, which is really, uh, it's going to be crazy guys. Like, uh, I am, I'm writing it and Andy Bellinger is illustrating it. Uh, so Ooh. if you've read Southern Cross, like, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be nuts. Um, think, uh, a healthy amount of like Vampirella crossed with Mad Max. Um, so. Sold. Sold. <laughs> yeah seriously those
0: are some magic words right there
4: yeah right yeah so we've we we sort of uh we're spinning off of what paul cornell has been doing with the book in the last year and going our own direction with you know what he's done and uh it's it's gonna be nuts uh it is not not recommended for young fans of princeless (laughs) and raven and wasp if you are however uh old enough that people being impaled bloodily is not a problem for you. Definitely check it out. Um, cause there, there will be blood. Um, <laughs> uh,
2: nicely, nicely
0: played
4: milkshakes. <laughs> I um, drink.
0: Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. Um, unstoppable wasp is out in trade. I believe it's September 30th. So it's coming up. Um, that'll be in your comic shop. Uh, if you're looking for it in a bookstore, it won't be there for like another month. So go to your comic shop and order it from them. Um, Uh, the Hulk versus Thor series should be starting up very shortly. It is currently available for pre-order on Comixology. So it will be beamed directly to your device as soon as it's available. Um, It's looking beautiful and full of things being punched and hit with hammers. Um, (laughs) And uh, also Raven currently available for pre-order for the next volume starts out in uh, uh, October. Princeless, the next volume comes out in November. Um, what am I missing? I'm missing something. My little pony, uh, still coming out doing, uh, the legends of magic series, which has been going on for, I think we just had issue issue five. I think it's getting ready to come out at the beginning of September. Nice. Um, so, yeah, we're working away on that one. The uh,
0: series is fantastic. The, the pony stuff. It's, it's yeah. so, it's so smart and, and adorable and touching. It's a fantastic series.
4: Well, um, for anybody who, who hasn't checked out *Legends of Magic*, which is its own sort of uh, thing, it's uh, I, I got the chance to sort of go in and write a bunch of like uh, tall tales about uh, legendary ponies, um, which is a ton of fun because uh, I don't necessarily have to worry about fitting into everybody else's timelines. Um, so, yeah, there's there's one pony who's a a giant uh, giant pony with a red beard who. Uh, Uses a shovel as a weapon. Um, so uh, that's that's a ton of fun. Um, and then uh, I think I think that's everything I have coming out right this moment. Um, so yeah, I mean, check all those things out. Feel free, to hit me up online. I'm always talking to people about comics and stuff and uh, whatever. Um, and oh, before I go, I want to ask you guys. Very important question, which has come up on my my Twitter today, Mm
5: -hmm.
4: uh, which is What is your favorite song by the band Queen and has it changed in the last 10 years?
0: Dude, I was going to throw your own question at you at the end. (laughs) I was totally going to do it. Um, For me, it's probably Fat Bottom Girls.
4: Oh,
3: you stole mine, you creep.
0: Sorry. (laughs) I think think we're all Fat Bottom Girls over here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, That song, that, that opening note is I actually just, they they announced um the, who's going to be playing the band members in Bohemian Rhapsody, the Freddie Mercury biopic, yesterday. And fun fact, the little kid from Jurassic Park, yes, the one that got electrocuted on the fence, yeah. is going to be one of the band members of Queen. That's hilarious. <laughs> so take that to the bank. um Yeah, Fat Bottom Girls also, when it was featured in uh, Sex Criminals, I was yeah. <laughs> oh. one of my favorite favorite issues of the series. I lost my mind, and to my shame, I've always kind of like really liked Queen or enjoyed them when they would come on, but I never really sought them out. But after that issue, I went to go and listen to Fat Bottom Girls, and I was just like, I came alive that day. And and they, I've just researched them since then, and they're an incredible band. But yeah, Fat Bottom Girls for me. Does anybody else have any other ones? Yeah.
2: Uh, since you stole mine, um, <laughs> I've got I've got two because two things that showed other sides of the band because they really were you. You look at that group, Freddie Mercury, Brian May certainly. Musicologists went to a lot of places. So crazy little thing called Love, doing the whole Elvis Sun Records thing, just just absolutely great. And another another one bites the dust. Great oh, slice of so funk good. there. Yeah,
0: that's yeah. so good. His voice. Did you ever see, hear the uh I... go ahead, go ahead, Jeremy. I,
4: I I grew up on uh another one bites the dust and we are the champions, of course, which are mm-hmm. you know my favorites for a long time when I was younger. And then uh, I think at some point, probably due to uh when I my my obsession with Wayne's world at some point. Um I've got <laughs> really into Bohemian Rhapsody. Um and that was my favorite for quite a while. And then at some point uh I, I just caught up with Under Pressure, and um,
5: yeah,
4: yeah. Mm. The, for several years, that was my my jam, and then I guess it was like six months ago, I was like watching Queen live performances online, and there was this live performance of, of Freddie Mercury doing uh, Somebody to Love, mm. and like oh, mm. ever mm. ever since I saw that, I'm just like. God, I love that song so much and his his performance of it and how yeah. much of himself he puts into it is, is incredible.
0: Have you heard the um We Are the Champions with all of the music removed and it's just his voice?
4: I don't think I've ever heard that. No. I
0: will send you a link to it. It will I give you chills. Like yeah. Oh send send I'll send it to you. To too. you. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. it's so chilling and incredible and beautiful and, and it's you gotta hear it. Joey, what about you? Oh, I you you listen to them all. Somebody to love. <laughs> What's the one from the Shaun of the Dead
3: that they run when they're killing the dude? Which one do uh, they play then? Stop
4: me now. No, don't stop me oh, That's a good one. Yeah.
0: Did they do Ballroom Blitz or is that a different band?
4: No, that's Sweet. Uh, sweet. Okay, okay.
0: they do
3: Single Thank Ladies or is so that part somebody part. else?
0: Yeah, now that I'm listening to it in <laughs> my head it's totally not Queen. <laughs> All right. Thank you for your question. Jeremy, very much.
2: And and thank you so much for for coming on with us for our anniversary. You're one of our absolute favorite creators, and that you spent this time with us and even lightning rounded and killed at it.
0: Awesome. (laughs) Right on. Thank you.
2: It was my pleasure. Happy to do it anytime.
0: Indeed. Best wishes to your continued success. Yeah, absolutely, man. Congratulations on everything.
4: Well, same to you guys. Here's to the next 300. Oof. oh
0: yeah oh <laughs> let's do it <laughs> all right you guys uh we're gonna let jeremy go and uh when we come back we're gonna have some uh, some people are gonna stop by and knock on the door and uh we'll open it and see who comes into the house of talking comics I'm We'll catch you Da-da-da-da. all right uh we'll be back in just a little bit everybody we're back and we've got administrative assistant to Kelly Sue and Matt Fraction and freshly minted bitch planet creator <laughs> Kit Talks with yes. us this pause for effect yes and, and for applause <sighs> anyway uh I'm gonna pass the reins on over to Bob so Bob if you would take it away please
2: absolutely first of course Kit thank you so much for joining us on our 300th episode you're making it very special for us
6: yeah, thank you for having me.
2: Oh, no problem. To just, just start with, let me just tell you how much I enjoyed Love, Honor, and Obey, which is your chapter with Vanessa Del Rey in the Bitch Planet triple feature number three.
6: Oh, good.
2: Oh, it's great. Betty's story starts as sort of one kind of cautionary tale before it takes this sort of Rod Serling Twilight Zone ending. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for anyone in case they haven't read it yet, but it, it right. goes to some great places. Now, how did your entry into the Bitch Planet creator universe take place?
6: Uh, uh, well, uh, Kelly Sue knew, she knows that I, um, that I enjoy that I'm super into writing comics. Um, and so when, uh, uh, when she, uh, uh hang on, I'm so sorry. That's, so, that's hysterical. It's great. <laughs> no. <laughs> 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 sorry. Uh, uh. I thought that was my phone make- here. I don't know how to make the phone stop making sound. So <laughs> just know. just hit it.
3: You just hit it with like a hammer or something.
6: Hammer, just... right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, you know, volume off <laughs> isn't gonna do it. Sorry guys. Um
2: <laughs> That's, uh, we're keeping that. We're yeah, keeping it's staying that. in. This
3: is staying <laughs> in.
6: Yeah. <Good>. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, so uh Kel knew that I was that that this was a thing that I was super into. Um and then uh, when she and Val started talking about uh, doing the triple feature, um, to doing an anthology um, to kind of fill in the summer while they get um, while they get ahead on future issues of of the main Bitch Planet title, um, she asked me if I wanted to do one, and of course my answer was, "Hell yes, I do." <laughs>
2: so. Yeah. Now, did you have to? pitch a story to Kelly Sue and how hard was that to do?
6: Yeah yeah so the whole the whole process was um, I I pitched a, a, a Kelly Sue and uh, a Snake Lauren Sankovich had uh, had me turn in a sort of a short pitch of a few different ideas um, and so I sent that in and uh, the sort of proto version of this what became this story is the one that they liked the best and they said yeah let's run with that and so then from there I believe there was a it's a, the, the, the process for the triple feature stories is um, it's really good for a beginning creator uh, because they really sort of walk you through all the possible steps that you might oh. come up against um, doing work for higher writings right so we I had my sort of preliminary proto here's my ideas um, and then from there I believe I had a more formal pitch Um and then we, we talked and sort of talked bass and they uh, touched base rather and they sort of helped me figure out like what it is I was trying to say. Um, and then from there uh, I had a, a, a sort of like an outline. They call it a beat sheet. So it's just kind of like what's the major emotional moment for mm-hmm. each page. Um, just the sort of bare bones what happens on each page of the comic. And then from there I did the script and there were a few revisions. Um, so that sounds is how like, that process went. Yeah. Yeah. That, it sounds cool.
2: like. Yeah, but it sounds like you, you're getting a master class.
6: Yes, absolutely. It, which, yeah. Which, That's sort of what my job is. Um, <laughs> I do. I do a lot of obviously uh, admin work for Cal and Matt, um, but they've been very cool about uh, letting my job be also kind of like an almost like an old school apprenticeship.
2: Nice. So, That's lovely. Yeah, oh it's great. God. Now, as you as you're doing this. As a, we we heard from Kelly Sue for the longest time about how this series all came about and and the various beats she needs to hit. Hmm. Now, for you, how do you get that balance so right as you did in your story, where you're making great sociopolitical points and still being wildly entertaining?
6: Um, the, I mean, logistically, the the probably the best advice I got for it was. Um, to not try to fit too much in, to, to kind of think small. Okay. Um, because it, eight pages is, it is deceptively s- short. It's a very small amount of space to get a story in. Like you have, to, you have to get in and out pretty fast. So not to try and hit too many things. Um, and so I, I, I then this was something that, one of the things that Kel and, and Snake helped me with a lot was I sort of figured out what was okay? So, what's the what's the thing you're trying to hit? What's the thing you're trying to say? Um, and then everything else that <laughs> that doesn't help mm-hmm. towards that just kind of goes.
2: Now, did you get to in your head to you just sort of boil that down to a phrase or a couple of words? I mean, in my head, I'm thinking uh, the model woman. Oh. N- Oh, uh, my,
6: my, my. Hey, spoiler, hey, hey,
3: Joey. That was, that's good. That's
0: good.
6: <laughs> my uh, phrase that I had for it is a full spoiler.
0: <laughs> OK.
6: Like, can I give a spoiler warning? That's like, OK, if you haven't read it, like mute it for
2: the next ten, seconds. Ten, 10 seconds. seconds. Sure. We will try that. Go.
6: Right, so spoiler warning starting now. Um, my phrase, she's a fucking robot. <laughs> that
3: what? is very I succinct. <laughs>
6: That was, <laughs>
2: that I like was that the, better than mine. I gotta tell you. Yeah. That, I gotta that tell you, it, it
3: lands. That definitely lands. Yeah.
6: Yeah. There's uh, uh there was a there was a trope that I I had seen a bunch of times that I wanted to that frustrated me and that I wanted to play with. It's hard to talk about without
2: doing any spoilers. Right here, we're we're into spoiler territory. Well, that last ten seconds is another two minutes. Okay. Both.
5: <laughs> I mean they're um, also Yeah, it's
6: perfect. You can totally
0: talk about it if you oh, want to. Yeah. I can to. talk about it. Yeah. Okay,
6: cool. Yeah, yeah okay. sure, okay. go for yeah. it. Great. Uh, so um yes, yeah, so the the trope that is like um, the hyper competent smoking hot robo lady falls in love with guy who's like eh, he's fine, I guess.
5: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
6: like not like terrible awful dude, but just like yeah, he's all right and every man Uh, with, uh, nothing really to, it's always a a relationship that like, if it were a actual woman, uh, everyone would be like, why is this relationship happening? Like, what, what does she see in this dude? She's hyper competent and super beautiful. And like, he's all right, but like, she's got so much going on. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it always, when I've seen it and it's frustrated me, it's been like, uh, She's always written like a person. She's not written like an actual robot. She's like an artificial intelligence. It's it's like uh, uh, they think they can get away with having their female character like not really have any agency by pouring like oh, but she's a robot. Like it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like pouring that sauce all over it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um,
6: uh, and so the thing that that I kind of that interested me and that I kind of wanted to dig into with this was like, okay, well, what does a story look like? A story like that look like? Uh, when she's actually a robot, right? Like she's not pretty much this character is a, just an actual woman that they don't want to have to deal with the pesky agency part. But like, okay, what happens if this character is like an actual robot, like no sentience or personhood, but like full beep boop mm-hmm. uh, in that kind of scenario? And that was sort of where I where I started.
2: That's awesome, because there are so many stories of the kind you're describing that go in that other direction, and you say to yourself, watching, reading, however, whatever medium that's in, who came up with this? This is 14 more styles of wrong than what the thing you're trying to now put out there. Right. When, uh, and I know Steve, when we were, uh, Steve was a big fan of Alex and Ada. I don't know if you've read that one. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it goes to some of those really special places you're describing. And oh. it's that sort of thing where the the old Twilight Zone episode, The Lonely, where Jack Warden, prisoner on a planet, gets a, the warden of this prison planet where this asteroid he's on, brings him a box where he can build himself a companion.
0: Oh, yes. Yes. I remember this. I remember this. Right.
2: <laughs> and it's Jean Marsh from Upstairs, Downstairs. And she is so alive and so human more than almost anybody else in the show that when the, the, the Rod Serling ending to, of that one happens, it's, no, you can't do that.
6: Yeah. It's always like, oh, but he taught her to love. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> well,
2: in, in the case of that episode, he, even he though she... She, <laughs> I think, teaches him.
5: Yeah. More of course. about being of human, course. right? <laughs> yeah.
2: That's how that works.
0: Oh, I, I love, love that God. episode. His name was Corey, wasn't it? Yes. The, the car. Yes, yeah.
2: Nicely and, done, Steve.
0: And at the end, at the, I mean, not to spoil an episode from eons ago, but the reason that they can't both leave is so messed up, and and the, the sacrifice that comes from that, it's a really really well, wicked let's, episode. Go, let's definitely... go,
2: go, go for it now, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> I, all right. So
0: that. he and he and 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 the woman, they they fall in love, right? And he's he's on like. A prison planet, and then his sentence is passed, and he's they're gonna transport him off of where he is. But the ship that they brought doesn't have the weight capacity, is only so much that when they bring him and the instruments back and stuff like that, she was never uh accounted for. So he he can't he can't he's not allowed to bring her back. So he starts losing it. Push comes to shove, there's an accident, and it's revealed, he's reminded that all along she was just an AI, oh, and it's this like super yeah. emotional, horrifying, cool. like beautiful thing for and him. It, for him, it's really it's really it wicked. Rip you your heart t- out. Totally check it out. Yeah, it's absolutely. Pulled, I remember that episode lonely, so well. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. That's
5: uh, a yeah. lot. Wow.
2: Yes. <laughs> now, as long as we're down this road, before I ask something else, I'm a huge fan of film noir, forties, fifties, detective sort of stuff. So that mm. you open this in, in stone blocks detective office is just sort of perfect for yes. that genre. Now, did you check out any classic films to get that kind of vibe? Do you have sort of a, a list of things you got to look for? Or...
6: I did. I had, uh, uh I, I don't even remember. Shoot. I don't remember what, there were a couple that I just sat down and sort of binged on Netflix. Right. Um, and i God, I wish I had written down which ones they were, but I did not do that. Um, but there, I mean, there were a couple of sort of tropes that I kind of had on my list to check off almost, um, like the the detective has to be sort of like resisting the the uh, femme fatale. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's uh, a Humphrey Bogart, Alan Ladd kind of thing. Sure. Absolutely, yeah.
6: Sure, um, with it, it being being a little bit different because, right? He's sort of here. He's sort of. Uh, he kind of has some skin in the game in terms of believing that she's kind of real. mm mm-hmm. Because uh, that, this isn't, I mean, this isn't actually a noir, right? It's in the New Protectorate. This right. isn't, this is not the 1940s. This is slightly the future. So this guy is sort of living his, his uh, noir detective dream. Yeah, future uh, noir.
2: Future noir, sure. we we'll call it. Sure, sure,
6: yeah. sure, sure. <laughs> uh, but... Of course, in order for that to play out, right? She has to, from his angle, she kind of has to be her. Any any flirting that she's doing with him has to kind of be real because that's part of that whole dynamic.
2: Right. Even if it's only in his mind that it's sure. so, as yeah. in some so of those I'm guys practicing. from back then too. Because well, obviously, <laughs> she she'd be more attracted to him than the gleep she's with. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, uh, on that front, you know, we're movie folks around here. Are you a uh, Big movie buff, or where are you a- stand with
3: such
6: things? <laughs> you asked me about this before. this. Yes, we did. He we set started. you up.
3: He set you uh, up for no. this.
6: <laughs> no, it, is, it is a point of much teasing around Milkfed HQ, uh, and I get a lot of shit from Matt. Uh, uh, I I love movies, but I just have these large sort of gaps in my <laughs> viewing mm-hmm. <laughs> experience. So there's a there's a lot of like. Oh my god, Kit, you haven't seen this either. Like, put it on the list. <laughs> uh, I get called a fetus a lot. Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's hysterical. you're <laughs> That's That's <laughs> so awful! Yes, in I'm, I'm that I'm, I'm I'm always very open to see, seeing things and talking about them, but like, really, no. In the, the actual sense of movie buff. Well,
2: that's how that begins. You know, uh, yeah. you have to have a a guide to such Mm -hmm. things it works we we, before we were talking comics we had a show that had literally dozens of listeners called fanboy remix (laughs) and and we were doing movie (laughs) stuff and i had come across an article where it was the 20 movies people lie about seeing the most oh bless. (laughs) Right, so it was Casablanca and The Godfather and Citizen Kane and The Great Escape and Blade Runner and about five or ten I've others. i three of us. Oh. See, look, you're ready way ahead. See? <laughs> so we created, you know, a, a list of shame for each other. to say, "Oh, well, What five movies have you talked about but never actually seen? And oh. there were things I was quoting all the time, like Kurosawa's Rashomon, where people see one, one event from four different angles and tell the different story. I could have quoted you everything before. I'd never seen a frame of the thing.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: And then I saw it and the first thing I had to do was buy it and own it. Right. So so those turned into those sort of things. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna run this by just because of something you just said. On, on this topic in my head, I heard Betty's voice as the actress Judy Holiday, who kinda always played the ditzy blonde in movies. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. she so she actually had an IQ of about 170. When, mm-hmm. she got, when she got called in front of the House Un-American Activities Committee, she knew she was in trouble because she was a left-wing liberal from New York and Greenwich Village. Mm-hmm. She went up on the stand in front of Joe McCarthy and his crew and basically pretended to be a dumb blonde. Oh my God, away, that's wonderful. Walked away and went, I'm going back to Broadway where no one cares what my politics are and basically left the movie.
6: Oh my God, I love her. I love her already. Okay,
2: so you got to check out the movie. Now you talked about Fetus, the movie that she's... Famous for have <laughs> won the Oscar. Talking <laughs> about no, no, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, I, I'm going somewhere with this. The movie is so. born yesterday. Oh, good.
5: Okay. Okay. So, so. <laughs> it, it,
2: it's just that. So now, did you base, the long way around? Did you base Betty on any real person or real actress or something? Uh,
6: uh, very loosely, kind of the. Uh, y- you're you're on the right track, I think. Very loosely, kind of the voice I had in my head. Was like Marilyn Monroe, but like Marilyn Monroe playing Marilyn Monroe when she was like fully like, she'd like turned on Marilyn.
2: Right, the the caricature, because she was the same thing. She was a very smart woman who played it being Marilyn Monroe. Absolutely.
6: Very much, yeah. So that was kind of what I had in my head because, uh, I mean, the idea is that she's sort of created to be this fantasy.
2: But it, there was something that shone through. It's almost as like if she was rebelling against her own programming. Oh,
6: that's interesting. Mm. Ah!
2: Ah! <laughs> I may have hit on something. By the way, speaking of real people, on the cover of this issue, is that supposed to be Kelly Sue? I, I, I don't...
6: You'd have to ask I don't, I don't <laughs> okay. think so. I don't okay. think so. There was no talk of, hey, it's Kelly Sue.
2: Okay. I just... I've, just seen that that is a- I've seen that. Fa- that's nearly a duck face. That's why I'm saying
6: <laughs> It is nearly a duck. I, I had not thought about that, but it, it is It is rather duck face-ish.
2: <laughs> you just coined a new word. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, speaking of th- this issue, I loved Men Decoded. With, 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 with Haley and Kaylee at the back, which is, I, I. it is beyond tongue-in-cheek. It is sort of entire speaking apparatus in cheek. How did you how did you come up with this?
6: Uh yeah, I had I had a lot of fun with that. Uh uh so so for the triple feature um series uh snake asked me to do a like a a feature in each one of the back matter things and uh so one of them I just I it was just sort of a noodling around um came up with like oh let's do a let's do a men decoded kind of thing like a yeah. what men are really thinking but let's like let's be absurd with it, um, and so from there it was just kind of how ridiculous can you push it? Well, uh, sadly, I think it's yeah it's it's absurd but not completely. Yeah, it's <laughs> that's it's, what it's makes hard it work. To, it is hard to it's with the with the topic of street harassment like it's it's. This is a thing that I have run up against a few times. Um, is that it's 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 hard to satirize a lot of this stuff because a lot of it is like the arguments being made are already kind of like they're the parody of themselves. Yeah. Like the whole men can't help themselves. Like they're these <laughs> yeah. they just like they're these wild animals. Like they. But it's like a uh, from the perspective of dudes who think that like women are too emotional to make decisions right like mm. just just like oh how do i what do you do to make fun of this and so you just kind of it was hard it was it was it was <laughs> uh that was that was not the first draft the first draft was uh a lot more just on the nose <laughs> what gets actually said
2: okay uh, I, I we want to see that one too just as we want to see your other pitch ideas—we gonna have a chance of seeing those in future issues of Triple Feature.
6: Yes. Uh, so I did. Yes, awesome. so I've done. I've done them in um, in all of them. I've had a feature in each one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but there is uh, there's one coming up. Let's see. What is the one coming up? I can. I'm sure I can give you guys a little bit of a spoiler.
3: Oh, scoop! Um, scoop.
6: <laughs> oh, it's it's gonna be a an ad for uh, a a product that uh, winds up showing up in Mm.
5: the actual
6: plot line of, uh, the main series. Oh,
2: okay. Oh, see, we're, we're tying it. I know the the triple feature is meant to be sort of standalone if you want to read it, but also tying in and backwards around in all sorts of interesting ways to amplify the main series. So did you make a point to try to come at it that way or is it just happens organically?
6: Um, uh, with the ad, the, the yeah. ad was actually the, the one, the other four, um, were ideas that I came up with and suggested to Snake and Kel. Uh, and this one was actually, uh, they came to me with a, hey, we'd like you to do a I'd like you to do this thing. And so I sort of came up with my, they gave me, they gave me a very broad, mm-hmm. we want an ad for the thing that's going to show up in the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's
2: vague enough that no one's going to know until it shows up
6: until it shows up.
2: Right. Yeah. And if I'm right. This story here, this is beyond your, your back matter pieces. This isn't your first appearance in comics as you and Kelly Zutaconic did a story for a princeless charity
6: book. Yes, we did. We did a, uh, we did a short story together. Um, uh, The art was by uh, uh, Ted and Roe who do the art on uh, Raven. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that has not come out yet, but I believe it is uh, in the works. It is it – is, the gears are moving on that okay. anthology. Well,
2: we, have Jeremy, we have Jeremy Whitley on a little later, so oh, we'll, we'll ask Kim what's, what's holding, be, holding this
6: up. He's that. <laughs>
2: it's like, come on, Jerry's Jeremy. Great. Yeah, oh, absolutely. No, yeah. He's, we've been a big fan of Princeless and Raven and everything since the very beginning, and his Wasp is pretty amazing. Now, beyond that you wrote that, you've also appeared – as a member of Colonel Maru's team, Poison, and Greg Rucka's Wonder Woman, which is issues 13 and 22, if you Kit Cox completists out there.
5: Now,
2: <laughs> <It did. laughs> they're a collectors' kit. Come on. Now How did How did Did that come to you as a surprise? Did Greg ask? What happened with that?
6: Oh, uh, he 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 surprised me with it. It was just it was just him being cool, and. <laughs> I mean, he told me. He told me after 13 was out, he was like, "Hey, you're in 13." <laughs>
7: awesome. Like, yeah. I
2: mean,
5: it's
7: sort
2: of yeah. It's like having an IMDb listing. You have a Comic Vine and Wikipedia thing. It's character.
6: Yeah, uh, it's it is it is funny because like if I if I like if you Google Kit Cox and comics, like most of the results are for me. But then there's like that first page includes. Me the character, which yeah. is rad. I like it.
2: Now if you go to a con, will you cosplay as yourself as part of Oh that's team a good poison? question.
6: <laughs> that's a good question. I it had not occurred to me because I, I, I used to cosplay. Um that's actually kind of how I got into comics. But um oh. uh, uh didn't oh didn't do you hear about that. that? Oh, did you not know that? No. Oh, no. So as when I started, I sort of picked back up with comics as an adult. Um, Kelly Sue's Captain Marvel was what got me into it. When I heard that first run of Captain Marvel, I picked it up, like, right after the first issue came out. Um, and uh, I started working on the costume, like, within the next couple of months after that. Um, so that's actually how I know Kelly Sue. I wrote it in after the first issue... And we started uh, correspondence online, and we became friends. (laughs) Wow! Uh, And then I did the costume, and uh, yeah, it was very, it was very cool. Like I kind of got into comics at the same time as I was becoming friends with Kel. Um, It's just a very neat thing. Yeah. Mm. Now, who 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 comes first, then you or Lieutenant Trouble? Lieutenant Trouble, uh, and this is, it was Christopher Sabella who named her for me. Oh, well, Yes. I'm gonna cry. Yeah! <laughs> no, I, I, I lost my mind when they told me that they were doing that. Uh, I've already warned everybody that if Kit shows up as a character in the movie, I'm going to be fully insufferable.
5: <laughs>
2: I think she, I think she, I think she has to. Oh.
6: Uh, Get it's, ready, because I'm gonna be yeah. insufferable. Well,
2: <laughs> we'll have you on again for that and you can be as insufferable as you like.
6: Good. Because good. It's, it's, a
2: deal. It's, it's it's deserved. It's absolutely a deal.
5: It's
6: so good. Cool. Cool yeah. yeah.
2: I always cite issue seventeen
6: mm-hmm.
2: as one of my favorite single issues ever, and I've been reading comics since the early sixties.
6: It is a lovely issue.
2: Right. That moment inside the Statue mm-hmm. of Liberty.
6: Mm-hmm. Yes. No, I'm going to teach uh, you, just, you
2: big dummy. I <laughs> uh, God,
6: and just tied back to her history, and oh, yeah, that she gets to oh, yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> so, that she that she gets to to relearn who she is, not in light of I got these powers from a dude, but in light of this is who she is through the eyes of this little girl who looks up to her. Oh my God, I'm getting yeah, choked up. I know. Shit, you guys. Guys.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we
3: just started. Why
6: <laughs> one
2: of my favorite issues ever? Yeah, it's great. Oh, uh, go ahead, Steve, please.
0: No, I just um if you have one more question.
2: Oh, okay. Well, okay. All righty then. Oh, this is important, but this is an important one. Cats, dogs or Flurkins?
6: Oh, uh <laughs> I I man, I hate making the cho- the cat dog choice, but as you have thrown Flurkins in there, I feel like Flurkins. Right with a pocket dimension you, you <laughs> exactly can't, you can't not uh yeah no i love i am I, i'm 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 big on both uh, <laughs> i have a cat i enjoy dogs too they're great
0: what's your cat's name
6: her name's natalia mm.
0: Mm. very nice yes
6: yeah. nice. she if you if you follow me on instagram you will pretty much be following my cat
0: well that's probably what we should ask you uh could you tell everybody where they can get in touch with you or follow you online anywhere?
6: Yes. Uh, I am, am, I'm mostly off of the social medias, but I do have an Instagram and it is at Kit Cox, K I T C O X. Um, And then otherwise you can find me um, via the Milkfed website, which is uh, milkfed.us. And my email is on there. And should you want to, I don't know, nerd out about comics with me. (laughs) Follow. I think um, after this evening, oh, a lot of Tumblr. people will want to. I do, have a, I do have a Tumblr. <laughs> I do have a Tumblr. That is uh, also kitcox.tumblr.com.
0: Fantastic. Yes. Uh, yes. Bob, you want to just carry us out real quick?
2: Yes, absolutely. Kit, thank you so much for joining us on our 300th episode, and congratulations on to you know, for this great new foray into comics. The leap from fan to creator is so special, and that you're making it in, in such good spirits and good humor in all the right ways just i am i'm so excited very much enjoying it yes (laughs) congratulations
6: yeah thank you guys thank you guys very much it was great thank you so much Uh, thanks
0: for hanging out with us we appreciate it. our pleasure
6: we'll we'll do this again yeah i'm in
2: absolutely thanks so much take
0: care all right
6: thanks guys
3: bye-bye
0: Everybody, we are back we've got another comic book creator guest in the house with us tonight for this special episode of talking comics david here comes epos
8: that's right nice Yay! <laughs> uh,
0: writer of uh spencer and Locke, which uh you we've talked about it on the podcast before it's a neo-noir comic uh featuring characters inspired by bill watterson's uh calvin and Hobbes. And you know what? I'm just going to let you talk about your own book, man, because that's that's why you're here to <laughs> hang out with us and, and sure. talk about some Spencer and Locke. Um, yeah, well, go ahead.
8: Yeah. You know, for people who don't know about our book, Spencer and Locke, um, they really just touched on the elevator concept right there. It's what if Calvin and Hobbes grew up in Sin City? It's about a <laughs> Right. It's about a hardboiled cop whose partner is his childhood imaginary friend. And uh, it's sort of how he goes back to his old neighborhood to investigate the murder of his childhood sweetheart, and it, it's very much a comic about uh, sort of childhood trauma and mental illness and kind of the, the the extraordinary lengths the mind will go to protect itself from harm. So uh, we've 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 told people you know it's a little bit of Fight Club, it's a little bit of True Detective, uh, but it's very much a love letter uh, by comics fans for comics fans.
0: That was very nice
8: thank yeah.
0: you very nice all right man here do this for me take us through the evolution of the series like where and when did you come up with the ideas uh how did you hook up with jorge for the art and uh how did the series land at action lab comics
8: sure well uh we i came up with the idea of spencer and Locke. is a uh, almost three years ago um almost almost to the day and uh, a lot of it came from, um, I was feeling kind of restless with a lot of the books that I was was reading, um, and I, I got to the point where I sort of felt like, well, if I'm not connecting with anything, maybe I should put my money where my mouth is and try to write a comic of my own. And uh, the way Spencer and Locke sort of happened is, I'm a big fan of mashup music, uh, things like uh, Nine Inch Nails meets Call Me Maybe. Kind of these weird <laughs> yeah. sort of dude. I've that uh, is my jam right, right there. It's really so good. Sick. It's actually really it's good. Really, it's really good. And I feel like those sorts of like unexpected mashups uh, are really, you know, I, I I love them. And so I thought, well, what if somebody did that with comics? And I I'm a big fan of classic Frank Miller, uh, sort of his old school work, things like the dare, uh, Daredevil, the Man Without Fear. Was kind of the first comic that I read as a kid that made me realize, oh, like actual authors make these things,
1: real writers
8: do this. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was thinking, you know, about that sort of hard-boiled, Sin City kind of bleak noir aesthetic. And I thought, what would be the most incongruous thing to kind of slam into that? And I, I went through a couple of ideas, but they were all kind of. It was very. It felt very shock value, which that can only take you so far. And then I thought of Calvin and Hobbes, and sort of the the light bulb kind of went out (laughs) over my head. Uh, There was always something a little sinister about Calvin and Hobbes to me growing up as a kid. Um, I've got almost a 10-year age gap between me and my younger siblings, so I, I know what it's like to be an only child. And I can tell you, I didn't imagine a best friend. I just met normal kids. Like, that's what I did. And so there was always something kind of sinister about Calvin and Hobbes to me. And, uh, you know, things like the fact that his mother had kind of a very volcanic temper. Um, And when you start putting these things together, when you sort of frame it through that Sin City kind of lens, you're like, oh, it's because, like, he had a really messed up childhood, and that's why he would see an imaginary friend. And so I I tried to kind of extrapolate that. What would uh, that look like as an adult? And uh, sort of having that as a hard-boiled cop who he might think that it's him and his trusty partner investigating, but it's just him. and that that sort of ratchets up the tension in a lot of our scenes because, you know, poor Locke, he thinks he's he thinks he's got backup, and uh, no, it's just him, it's all him.
5: Mm-hmm.
8: <laughs> Uh, So, uh, you know, going on to your question, you know, how I I connected with uh, my artist and co-creator, Jorge Santiago Jr., and our publisher, Action Lab. Um, I, I, you know, I looked to Justin Jordan, actually. I kind of took a page out of his playbook. Um, He talks prolifically about behind the scenes in comics, and I've always thought he was a very smart guy. And I think the smartest thing he ever did was, for his first book, teaming up with somebody like Trad Moore, because... Trad, I mean, he's the moment you saw his first pages, you're like, that guy's a list. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I read up some interviews from Justin about how he and Trad got together and how Trad was a graduate of the Savannah College of Art and Design. And I said, well, if Justin Jordan can find somebody great from one of the comics art schools, I'm going to do that too. And so I, I went through a number of different portfolios from places like SCAD, RISD, the Kubert School, uh, SVA. And uh, Jorge really stood out to me, uh, not just because he he was so energetic and and flexible with his art, although he he very much is, his portfolio said something though, that really kind of stuck with me. And it was that he said he made comics and art with stupid amounts of passion. And you know they they talk about how it's the intangibles that make a marriage work. That's absolutely the case with my partnership with Jorge. I mean, it's it's passion that sort of gets you through these humps Um, you know there's there's a lot of challenges that go into making comics and it took us um, I'd say I'd say the better part of over a year to put uh, this series together Hmm. and it was that passion that kind of really got us to the finish line and uh, so yeah I mean he's so versatile and so like I mean it really inspired me to bring my a-game to all my scripts and it inspired our colorist Jason Smith to really go above and beyond with his color work and our letterer, Colin Bell, and even our variant cover artists, uh, Mon House and Joe Mulvey. Now, as far as Action Lab, um, you know, it, I had heard a lot of great things about Action Lab. Uh, you know, their work on Princeless, uh, mm-hmm. their work on Stray, their work on Molly Danger. And uh, it's funny because we had certainly shopped the book around. And once I had gotten our pitch pages, I knew it was going to be something. I was sort of the the, the true believer. I said this is too good to 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 not see the light of day. I was prepared to Kickstarter it and publish it out of spite if I had to. And I remember uh, talking to a few publishers. One of them said that Spencer Unlock was the best pitch that they were never going to publish, which I took that oh. As, as, oh. as a compliment. And and uh, thankfully, Action Lab, I, I emailed them, and our, our creative director, Dave Dwanch he emailed me back I wanna say it was an hour after I sent in our pitch. I mean, a lot of that was sort of the right place, right time, but it also, it just, it speaks to Dave and Action Lab in general, sort of their, their the fact that they recognized our value and that they were really willing to take a, a, a risk on a pair of unknown creators uh, playing with really what was some comic book dynamite. Um, we could have really kind of blown our fingers off at any moment. And it's, it's really a testament to Action Lab that they trusted us to tell our story the way that we needed to tell it. There was no interference or any sort of uh, uh, rules that they said we had to abide by. They just said, tell your story the way you feel you need to tell it. And uh, so it was a fantastic, uh, a fantastic place to have uh, both Jorge and I's first published works. Um, and we, we couldn't be happier with uh, the way people have been responding to it.
0: Right on. That's awesome, man. That's a hell of a story. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Bob, you have a, a question or two, don't you?
2: Oh, a- absolutely. As a huge Calvin and Hobbes fan from back in the day, that's, that's I, I'm sorry, that's a horrible phrase. I'm old, so I read it when it was new. <laughs> uh, yeah. Why couch it in crazy language? There were so many wonderful little touchstones, whether it's mm-hmm. background snowmen, and we've got Susie and the teachers and whatever. How much Calvin did you reread in preparation for this, or is it stuck in your frontal lobe as it is mine that just would would flow out if
8: you began thinking of it? Hmm. So you know there were certain touchstones that that came to me you know at the get go, um, but I reread the entirety of Calvin and Hobbes. I read every single nice. strip uh, <laughs> yes. before I I, I dug uh, too deep into it, and that's why you know there are certain there are certain easter eggs that i really wanted to include that just uh for the sake of our script we couldn't fit in um for example we have a, a big car chase issue in our second yeah. our second issue and i i desperately wanted to fit in uh the killer bicycle uh, oh, and, uh oh, and, man. Yeah. <laughs> and uh for for the sake of our choreography it didn't work but, um, you know, we are, we are sort of going over all of our numbers with Action Lab now about, you know, figuring out if, if it is things are viable for a sequel. Wow. And if such a sequel Ooh. comes to pass, I know exactly where the killer bicycle is going to be. Nice. So <laughs> Uh, nice. Yeah, no, there's, there's, I mean, it, it, and and I think that's sort of the 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 genius of Bill Watterson, and I think it's something that he shares actually with Frank miller is, is, is they both have a very subversive voice. Hmm. um I don't think you were, you know, most uh, comic or most newspaper editors were expecting to have like, you know, mutant killer snowmen in their comic yeah, pages, yeah. um or the to full have full color like, on a Sunday, a, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, or or a snowman death march. Um, you know, it was very sort of subversive, um, uh, a, a very subversive sense of humor. And I think uh, Frank Miller, especially in his prime, has has always shared that as well. And so that's why I think those, those two worlds go together so well. Um, but there's also just, you know, there's such a wonderful iconography to uh, Calvin Hobbes, and in part because it's a, a comic strip about imagination. And for us it was Spencer and Locke, we sort of flipped that a little bit. We did the other side of the coin, where it's not just imagination for us. It's about perception. It's about what do you see, and sort of the tricks our mind plays on us that maybe we're we're all too willing to accept, uh, you know, rather than looking at a more stark alternative. Uh, so yeah, there's 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 a lot of, of of fun iconography, and I'm 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 sure you guys have read our third issue, which is our big Spaceman Spiff issue. Mm -hmm. That was wild. Rocket (laughs) man, Rocket man Reynolds. Yeah. Rocket man Reynolds. And I got to tell you, that was, um, out of all four of our issues, that was probably my favorite to write. And, uh, that was sort of one of the first ideas that popped into my head when I came up with Spencer and Was I said, you know, I didn't want to be just limited to the, the traditional confines of, of noir. Um, since we're dealing with kind of a mental illness and psychosis, I I, I (laughs) said, you know, I I feel like, I feel like Locke, uh, you know, he's certainly a damaged hero and he's certainly um, in my mind, very sympathetic the more you get to know him, but he's also in many ways a a high functioning schizophrenic. (laughs) And we wanted for that issue to be, well, what happens when sort of he's, he's hanging on to reality by the fingernails. What happens when he slips? Mm -hmm. And, um, that was that was my favorite issue. I think we also got to really dive in deep with uh, you know depression and mental illness. Um, there's a line in that that's that's one of the big heartbreakers for me is Locke is sort of dealing with this this out of his mind psychedelic torture. He thinks he's he's Buck Rogers in a lot of ways and he's sort of on the run and meanwhile we see in the real world he's been killing all these henchmen thinking that they're aliens and he he yells at one of them, why are you doing this to me?" Mm. and he sees a hallucination of uh, his mother who he killed in self-defense and she says because you deserve it Mm. and I think anybody who's dealt with depression I think knows that that sentence very well uh, because you know you think oh this is what I deserve and that I think if there's anything that readers get out of Spencer and Locke is that no you don't um they're they're there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There is hope. There are people who, who want to be there for you and who love you. And um, so this is very much sort of our dark night of the soul uh, hmm. just happening to star Calvin and Hobbes. I'm, I'm, I'm so gonna... glad you, you highlighted that <laughs> line because
2: I wrote it down myself. Thank Which, you. Just for that very reason. Yeah, that, that, it really struck me. The other one that did, though, is in, in issue four, with mm-hmm. Spencer to, to, to Hero Always as real as you need me to be.
5: Mm.
8: Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah, Yeah, Joey. mm. Exactly, right? It just...
5: Mm -mm. mm -mm. Yeah, that (laughs) that, that might have been my favorite
8: line in the whole book. Um, You know, it was... It was... I, I... you know, I'm sure certain writers do their things in certain ways. For this particular book, I I had written our first issue script just to make sure that this was an actual viable story. And then I wrote a treatment for the rest of it. And so I wrote just more, you know, more broad notes before I dug dug into the script. And uh, that scene was not in the original treatment. That was sort of, um, that came very quickly at the end. And I just thought, oh, like, I wanted to see a moment where, Hmm. Um, where Spencer interacted with Hero, and and I, Hero being is, Hero, for those who haven't read the book, is uh, is Locke's daughter. Oh, whoa, whoa! I know spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> um, he 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 doesn't know this. And actually, when I had written the script originally, um, and Jorge thankfully uh, nudged me out of this direction, I had originally wanted her to be drawn in that old flashback Bill Watterson style. Um, and he quite rightly told me that that would look goofy and dumb uh, in the context of a, of a real-world noir situation. Yeah.
5: Mm.
8: But um, I liked this idea, you know, this book is very much about returning to the scene of the crime, and when I say that, I don't just mean who killed Sophie Jenkins, I mean it's also going back to sort of the crimes that were perpetrated against Locke as yeah. a kid and his, his sort of his coping mechanisms. And with that in mind, I, I thought it was very important to have sort of the cycle, um, you know, you, you you hear all the time about sort of a cycle of abuse where uh, abusers t- usually have been abused themselves, and I think that's the important thing for Locke in this story is that he he wants to break the cycle and he can't stand having something bad happen to a child knowing everything that's happened to him. Hmm. And so, I so I wanted to sort of have um, have that spirit of of protectiveness which is which is spencer's imaginary friend i wanted to sort of see what that would look like going down the lines um especially if you know if mental illness if it's a genetic thing right uh you know what's to stop Locke's daughter from having the same sorts of flashes that he does Mm -hmm. Um, it's a powerful moment in the book too Thank you, thank you. And I feel like if we are able, if we're fortunate enough to be able to tell sequels with this, and I'm feeling very hopeful at this point, um, hero is is going to play a big role in, in 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 Locke's overall arc and and development and evolution because, you know, this is this is a guy who he he lives in his childhood scars in a lot of ways, and his big question is can he transcend them. And I think that's there there there's no it's no coincidence that we named his child hero. Hmm. Um and it's it's because she's every bit as uh, a redemptive force for him as anything else he could come up with.
0: Hmm.
2: Well wow. on, on, on that name front, I'm gonna jump in real quick, Stephen, then you're yeah. good to go. Go for it, Bob. As obviously Mr. Waterson did all those years ago, you've named your lead characters after famous philosophers. Yes. So, when Spencer mentioned survival of the fittest, and it was Herbert Spencer who coined that phrase back after he had read yep. Origin of the Species, mm-hmm. it, it, it's powerful stuff. because it, then I, it, it, Right, it is about how you overcome mm-hmm. those limitations. So, that, that was obviously on purpose, but I mean, with a real
8: force within the book itself. Well, thank you. I mean, you know, I mean, some of this it was was by design and some of this was just happy accident. Um, A lot of times when I come up with names, uh, I sort of I I, I try to sound that in my head almost as a stress test. Is this a character's name that I would enjoy reading for 88 pages Hmm. or however many pages? And and, and I, I view a lot of writing like this is it's a marathon. So you, you better make sure that whatever you're writing, whatever characters you have, that these are guys that you would stick with for the long haul. Because if you as the writer are getting bored with them, I guarantee you a reader is not going to have the same level of affection. Mm. Uh, so I played with a lot of different names. I mean, I looked, up, I looked up plenty of philosopher names, and a lot of it was also sort of a chemistry test. It was which names kind of play off each other well. And uh, Spencer... Part of it was just uh, the, the idea of survival of the fittest. And I'm so glad you noticed that, by the way. You're one of the first people to, to, to tell me that, and that, that, that makes Thank me you. very happy. Nice. <laughs> um, it also sounded like a very cuddly kind of name that a, yeah. a stuffed animal would have. And Locke is just, it's a very hard name. Um, it's a very sort of, um, it's a very kind of, this is a guy who is is, is tough and... Um, is is is, is not, has no soft edges to him whatsoever, mm-hmm. and something else that I liked that I found out after the fact is um, Locke's uh, sort of uh, philosophical opposite was Hobbes.
2: Yes, right. Yeah, because and, John Locke is about identity and self, mm-hmm. where Hobbes really had a terrible view of human nature. We were the worst <laughs> creatures on the planet, <laughs> the <so>. Leviathan. Yeah.
8: <laughs> right. It all works, and. And you know that that idea of, of them being philosophers, I mean that was something that definitely did not escape me when we were when we were putting this together. I mean, I feel like in a lot of ways that helped me a lot with the characterization uh, because for example, our first issue, we have a scene of them just driving in in a car having kind of a a back and forth conversation about whether or not uh, animals are the ones that live in cities and <laughs> I remember I had been watching True Detective around that point, that point, and that was certainly a big influence on that back-and-forth banter. But it also um, really kind of helped me as a guiding light through the, the rest of the series. Anytime that I, I felt like I didn't know where I was going, I would just sort of start writing banter between Spencer and Locke just over, you know, anything. And usually listening to them sort of bounce off one another uh, especially Locke, because he's so gruff and such an asshole. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, S- Spencer is very precocious. And, yeah, he's like a seven-foot-tall talking panther, but um, he's all softy underneath. And so, you know, watching him kind of needle this very prickly, scrappy cop uh, and watching them bounce back and forth, it's uh, it's very funny. Um, and, and for me as a writer, it was, it was a lot of fun to sort of... Uh, get their voices and uh, you know that I mean that's something that was really known uh, in Calvin and Hobbes as well is that Calvin especially was very misanthropic mm. and uh, that's why there were there were a handful mo- mo- the vast majority of our reviews were very strong but there was every great once in a while there'd be somebody who'd say you don't know about what you know the innocence that made Calvin and Hobbes so great in the first place and I was like did you oh, really? the same time <laughs> yeah, I did exactly. yes,
0: this was actually going to be one of my questions. I was going to ask you on that yeah. reread, like what what new dawns did you have in your in your mind and in your heart for these characters, like going back to the material, reading it much later as an adult and as research. Like, what was that like?
8: Yeah. Well, um, for me, you know, it's it's funny because reading it as a kid, I always just was was really excited just to see all the different art styles that that Bill Watterson would use. I mean, I never really had the vocabulary to articulate it. But I was just like, oh, this Calvin and Hobbes has dinosaurs. This is awesome. Or here's a jet plane. This is so cool. Um, and as an adult, um, you know, now that I, 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 I analyze what I read so much more, I look at it and say, oh, like, wow. He, the, the, the breadth of, of ground that he was able to cover was really amazing. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was interesting because there were certain – there were certain things that you know he would try out, and for the most part, it would work. But there were other times where, for example, Uncle Max, which was mm. uh, uh, Calvin's dad's brother, and he only showed up a handful of times. And it's because, as I found out doing research, Bill Waterson realized, "Oh, like it's weird having every like having this guy specifically with a name when we never named the mom and dad." So oh. they kind of they kind of shoved him shoved him off almost as soon as they put him on. Other things like, this, this really blew me away when I was reading into it, is uh, how deeply ingrained the imagination stuff is, even from the get-go. I mean, it was within the first two weeks, I believe, that uh, Watterson did his first Spaceman Spiff strip. And it's so, you know, that sort of, these flights of fancy, these daydreams, um, they're part of Calvin and Hobbes's DNA, really from the get-go. Whereas other uh, staples of the strip actually don't come till much later. Things like the transmogrifier, for example, mm-hmm. which uh, we have a substantiator. A, yes. As, <laughs> yeah. as our very grim nod to it in issue four. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's one of those things that I, uh, when I was writing it, I, I knew the first issue was going to, what I was going to do for the first issue. And I knew the third issue, like the back of my hand. And the second issue, I said, we're gonna do a car chase, and I think we can sort of figure out the rest of it in there. Ooh. But the fourth issue, I was really like, what am I gonna do? like i I've already sort of tapped into uh, a lot of the big iconography, uh, especially you know sort of the the idea of the car chase being a, a metaphor for the wagon rides and the toboggan rides that they would always do. Mm-hmm. And I said, what am I going to do? Like, what are what are some big I had a, a list of every time that I would see a motif pop up in those strips, I would write it down and just sort of, you know, let it rattle around in my head and see if there was any good use for it. And I remember that in that particular flashback kind of clicking at the same time, um, sort of this idea of if you have a kid who has been tortured and tormented through every angle of his life. What is the logical extreme for that? And I sort of then it kind of clicked, and I just realized, oh, the transmogrifier, or as in our case, the transubstantiator, it's a much kind of darker metaphor about transformation and reincarnation. And uh, in 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 probably the most heartbreaking line in the book, uh, Locke thinking maybe if he jumps high enough, off of something high enough, maybe he'll come back as something happy. And uh, that, like, I mean, it gets it gets me a little verklempt even like talking about it. Um, I feel like, you know, it's 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 the sort of moment that I think anybody with depression, uh, with serious depression, I think is is probably empathized with at some point. And the fact that we could have Spencer sort of say don't do this um you know i i wouldn't want to live my life without my best friend just as as you are oh, i think that's yeah. you know that's that's a that's a powerful moment i think and i think it's one that
1: Damn. anytime
8: anyone's felt alone i think everyone's these those are the words that i wish i would have been told if, you know when i've felt alone so oh. uh yeah i mean that like that was that was kind of a a late stage um It's funny because looking back at the treatment, I'm looking at it right now, uh, you know, our first issue is fairly detailed, and our second issue, pretty bare bones. Our third issue, also not a ton, I think it was like one paragraph, and then issue four, it's like this giant paragraph, like I really kind of hammered out every single step of that last issue um, in in a lot of detail. So I I think, yeah, I mean, just going back to your question, I, I think... That's the beauty of a strip like Calvin Hobbes is there's, he uses Bill Watterson used so many different angles to tell so many different stories. And at the same time, he didn't spoon feed you with it. Um, he left so much up to your interpretation. I mean, I think that's why he named his characters after philosophers. And that's something that we tried to do with this book as well, is um, we wanted to, to to leave it to the readers to have their own experience with it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I've heard lots of people give lots of different reads to it, and I think they're all valid. Um, And that's sort of the really gratifying thing about this book, for me, is uh, watching readers have their own takes on it.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, In regard to the writing process when you were working on this, writing scenes for both characters where only one of them actually exists within that space... Mm -hmm. What is it, what do you, you, like, what kind of mindset do you have to get into write scenes like that? Do you have a process that you use?
8: Yeah, I mean, well, for me, a lot of it, um, and I think it was particularly helpful for this book because, uh, you know, noir works so well with narrative captions. It's not something that works in every genre, but Mm -hmm. for a first book, I think it was very helpful. It was a little bit, it was a little bit like training wheels for me where, um, you know, I could just kind of practice writing down different types of lines to see, you know, different types of jokes. Try to see if I could punch things up um, with these particular characters' voices. Uh, the the benefit of a series like Spencer and Locke is cast-wise, it's pretty intimate. Uh, I You know, there's probably a at most a half dozen characters that have actual speaking roles um, that, right that we actually need to know beyond being a, a, a henchman that is going to be killed at some point. And, uh, so, so for me, really the bigger challenge actually was writing scenes that, uh, Spencer and Locke were separated. Hmm. Um, you know, having the two of them in, in a panel together, the, the, the banter, you can, you can sort of play, you know, you, you I'm sure you, everybody has a, a friend that they just, they just argue with nonstop. They just like huh. kick at each other over nonsense um, uh, I certainly have plenty of friends like that where we'll just debate over like whatever comic news just came out this week. I mean, <laughs> um, and, and, uh, so that, uh, or, you know, watching, for example, you know, I mean, anybody who has siblings, for example, I have, I have three younger siblings. And so mm. if it's not me giving them crap, uh, it's each other giving them each other crap. So, uh, you know, after a while, you can kind of pick up that rhythm of sort of the the, the back and forth. Um, having them apart was a challenge for me, um, only because I think what works about Spencer and Locke, uh, and it was something that, that we did a lot of rewriting to, to get to, is I think it, there's a balance at the end of the day. Um, the, it's certainly a bleak book, um, but I think we, we always try to inject it with a, a sense of humor before it goes too far off the rails. And I think that's Spencer and Locke as characters as well. Is Locke can get very moody and self serious, and that's when it's always Spencer sort of jumping in with a with a joke or or a funny line or a funny observation. And uh, so you know those two kind of I think help keep the tone of this script on an even keel. It was the it was uh, the issues that they were apart, um, parts of issue two and definitely all of issue three. Those were the big challenges for me was sort of being like, okay, how can I keep the the script from getting too depressing? And also like, how can I make sure that both characters get enough spotlight when they're not in the same room as each other? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like other than that, I mean, the, the only, the, I think for me, it's less process and more the advice I can give, which is, um, you know, they say writing is rewriting and oh my God, writing is rewriting you guys. Like, like Mm -hmm. it does not matter if you write something and it's garbage, as long as you write it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you can, you can, you can take that out later. Or often what I do is stuff that I write that I hate, I wind up repurposing later. Uh, Mm. You know, so I, I mean, I, I can't, discuss the specifics of what it was but I I just finished writing another script uh, the other day and it took me it took me like a week and a half and it's because there were certain scenes that I rewrote over and over and over again like just trying to get like the the structure right and trying to make sure that I sort of hit all the check boxes for the plot that I needed to check off and I remember I wrote one conversation that you know, sort of, you, you know, in the back of your head, if something doesn't feel right, um, mm-hmm. you know, you, 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 if, you've, if you've done any sort of significant time reading comics, you know, consuming, you know, storytelling um, and have developed any sort of taste for it, you, you kind of get a sense if you're like, eh, this doesn't feel right. And I, three days later, after I had sort of let the script settle... I was like, oh, there you go. That's a way better conversation. I just rewrote the whole scene from scratch. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's like, that's something that like people shouldn't be afraid of is like, it's okay. Like first drafts are allowed to suck. Like I, 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 before Spencer and Locke came out, I have so many scripts that are just sitting in a folder in my computer that no one will ever see ever. Uh, (laughs) They're terrible. (laughs) Like, um, and that's okay. You're, you're, I feel like I would much rather uh, do a terrible job writing in private and sort of get through the, you know, thousand crappy words or 10,000 crappy words or 100,000 crappy words or a million crappy words um, before you get to one good word. I'd rather just do that in private and, you know, just sort of let the thing evolve before I have to show it to anybody. Oh, absolutely. We
2: did some years back for for here on the show, we did a, a radio play. Mm-hmm. that I had sitting as a beginning and an ending that were mm-hmm. great, and I could never crack the middle. I wrote it mm-hmm. 17 times, and it just yep. sat there. And then uh, our editor-in-chief at that point was when well, we had a different program. We're going to do a radio show. And once I had to write dialogue instead of exposition, it all came together. Yep. But some of the words I used worked. But I needed something else another angle to do that on I mean famously it's actually her birthday today's record Dorothy Parker is famous for saying "I'll write five words and erase seven
8: yep and and, and you have to you can't know, be afraid you can't be afraid to go backwards you also hit it on the head um, talking about how you had a beginning and you had an ending and I think that's really important for 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 writers in the brainstorming phase is uh, it is so much easier to write a script when you know where you're going with it. I um, yeah. think, you know, and, and when you start thinking of movies like this, it kind of, it starts making sense when you, if you frame star Wars, for example, the first star Wars movie as the story of how Luke Skywalker uh, joins the rebellion to blow up the death star. Oh, okay. Then it's like, you know, if, if the death star is sort of the, 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 the big end of the, of the, of the movie, then you can sort of work backwards and be like, okay, how does Luke yeah. get to get to blowing up the, the Death Star? And um, it's, it's something that comes with practice. Um, you know, I know when my screenwriting teachers in college would say, you know, know your ending. That's like a big, like scary, like intimidating thing to say. But think of it like a road trip, you know? Uh, most people have a, a set destination of where they want to go before they start driving. And yeah they might hit a whole bunch of detours along the way but they know where they're going. Or if you're cooking, for example, you know what you're going to cook. You know, mm-hmm. you you know you want to make a chicken fajita
1: or something. <laughs> <laughs> what can um, I add okay. to
8: the chicken fajita? Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, like like that's exactly. It's like it's like what can I add to it? Like how do I get there? Like Well, it's about, you know, buying the chicken and, you know, putting spices on the chicken and you put the chicken in the oven and oh you realized you forgot to get fajitas, so you gotta go out and get like the tortillas. (laughs) uh, you know, and oh no, you come home and like the oven's on fire. You gotta put out the the the, the, the fire. Um, and then oh hey, like you're cutting up onions and oh you just started crying, you know, like it's all these like little detours. But at the end it's the story about how you made a fajita and ate it. Um, you know, or like, you know, how, how you like made a fajita, but like, you know, at the cost of your family, um, like that's sort of, that's really storytelling in a nutshell. And I think uh, something that I, I feel is very important for your listeners to know is that if I can write a script, I promise you can, um, I don't, I, I think so often there's this, this idea of, making writing so mysterious and magical. And and I think it's it's kind of gatekeeping in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like writing is a craft, just like making a chair is a craft. Um, Anybody can learn how to make a chair and you just got to practice at it. I mean, and there are certain things that make a chair a chair. You have something to sit on and you have something that connects that thing that you sit on to the ground. And maybe you have a back to it. Um, But with those sort of, very loose guidelines in mind, there's a lot of different chairs, you know, uh, I'm sitting on a red leather love seat right now. Um, you know, there's a, a white, uh, couch across the way from me, like, you know, what's the material, what's the length, you know, is it a stool? Uh, how many legs are on the stool? Is it sort of, you know, more of a, a, a tripod kind of thing? Um, you know, that's, that's sort of what telling a story is like, But I think if you sort of demystify it and look at it like, oh, it's just it's a trade, it's a craft, and anybody can do it if they put the time and energy to studying it and then trying to just practice it on your own. Mm -hmm. That's perfect, David. Right on, man. Yeah,
2: there's there's a documentary about Harlan Ellison called Dreams with Sharp Teeth. Hmm. And he he uses basically the same phrase you're talking about. It's a job. And you go out there and do it. And he said the question he gets more than anything else is, where do you get your ideas? And Mm -hmm. his stock answer is, uh, I buy them from a factory in Poughkeepsie. They ship them out to me in a box (laughs) once a week. It's like you sit there and you work at it. And you fly things around and some don't work and some do. And then you craft the ones that don't maybe into something better.
8: Yeah, absolutely. And I think so much of it's also – you know, it's 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 what can you put into, um, what can you put into uh, from your own life into, uh, uh, into a script, and uh, you know I, I've certainly had my times where I've been depressed, and my times where I've felt hurt or felt alone or lonely, um, or felt heartbroken, um, or felt betrayed, and a lot of that went into Spencer and Locke, um, you know, or uh, you know, there's there's one script that I'm working on right now where um, it's all about commitment. And it's, uh, you know, it, it deals a lot with, like, a, a prior relationship that I had. Um, you know, it's sort of you take these kind of moments in your life um, that I think a lot of people can relate to. You know, your first kiss. What was it like to get your driver's license? Uh, you know, did you ever have a pet that you loved who you loved playing with, or maybe a pet who died. Um, you know, these are all sort of these kinds of moments that you can put through whatever kind of pop culture lens you want to, and then suddenly it turns into a story that really gets its emotional hooks in you because it's it's something that everyone can relate to. Yes.
5: Um,
8: and, and universal so I, truths,
2: absolutely. Yeah,
8: yeah, and I and and you know, I, I think it's it's a tough thing to get your head around, especially as a baby writer. And I think, you know, sometimes, sometimes you hear words like universal truth and, and, and you're like, I don't know what a universal truth even is. Um, you know, and, and it's just, it's, it's, it's something, you know, if you read it, would you feel happy or would you feel sad or would you feel, would you feel something? Um, and, and going back to something we talked about earlier, that's why reviews, whether positive or, or negative, uh, you know, I was happy either way. The the only reviews that would have really ticked me off would have been apathy. Um, I feel like if it was apathetic, then we weren't doing our jobs. Um, whereas, you know, most people really liked the book, and I think they saw what we were doing. But there are a few that that, you know, it wasn't for them, and they were passionate about it. And ultimately, I'll I'll take passion in in either direction. absolutely.
0: All right, David, um, we're going to wrap it up with you for this spot on the Talking Comics spot. I would love to have you back on the show.
8: Absolutely. The show absolutely. out with
0: us uh, long form, perhaps, some evening. That would be cool. My
8: pleasure. Absolutely. Whenever whenever you guys are available, I'll be free. All
0: right, man. Listen, uh, why don't you tell everybody at home where they can follow you and where they can find Spencer and Luck?
8: Absolutely. Well, they can follow me personally on Twitter, uh, my uh, handle is Pepos D. It's just my last name first initial, uh, and you can follow my artist Jorge Santiago Jr. It's just literally Jorge Santiago Jr. Um, Spencer and Locke. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's just Spencer and Locke, just one word with the word and spelled out. And uh, yeah, you can order our trade paperback on Amazon right now. Um, When's it come out? When's uh, it can, come out? The trade actually hit stores earlier this month. So it is out now, so you can get it at your local comic shop, Comixology, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere books are sold, you can get your copy of Spencer and Locke. And the thing that I I always ask is, you know, uh, tell a friend if you like it. And also, if you like our book, uh, you know, leave us a review on Amazon. It does not, you do not have to have bought it from Amazon to leave a review. But uh, the more reviews people leave, the higher up we go in their algorithm, the more copies we sell, and uh, fingers crossed, the more stories with these characters we get to tell.
3: Nice.
2: It was
8: great. Do it. Thank you. I really (laughs) appreciate it.
0: All right, man. Yeah. Thank thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for joining us for, for this show tonight. And, uh, I'm sure this won't be the last
8: that we hear. Thank you. you. Looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, dude, we, we wish, you know, great things for you and, uh, you know, just thanks for, for chilling with us tonight. It means a lot. My pleasure. All right. Uh, just, Hang in with us, guys, and uh, we're gonna come right back with even more guests. We're gonna have some voices from the past and from the huh. present and from the future. It's gonna be like Scrooge up in here, <laughs> and uh, it's gonna be awesome. So you know, stay tuned, and we will be right back. Hello everybody. We are back. And we've got some more people in the house to help us celebrate our 300th show. I'm going to say that every time we come back because why the hell not? Woo, exactly. We, exactly. Drink it in, man. We have a couple of familiar voices. We have Eisner Award winning author for if I could say that now, Hi. Professor Carol Coca.
9: Hello. Success has not changed me at all. <laughs> <laughs>
10: Wow! Posh Carolyn, I
9: love it. Hi,
10: everybody. She's got her pinky up over here. (laughs) Oh, you (laughs) said something. Okay,
0: Uh, you guys, we also have the Furiosa of Follicles as Bob. (laughs) And I was going to announce it at the end, but I'm going to announce it now as part of your introduction. Furiosa of Follicles and... Starting with episode 301 of the show, 1 of our new co host, Melissa Megan, come on down
10: (laughs) I love the sound effect. Congratulations. I will officially be terrorizing your ears for at least the next few months until Steve kicks me out of (laughs) here. Oh yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) real
0: quick (laughs) real quick. quick. It's gonna gonna be a short, short lived (laughs) (laughs) I'm so kidding. We are so excited have you with us on the show what we're going to be doing i'll just talk about it super quick is we're going to be um keeping that we're going to keep the fourth chair we're going to kind of bounce between two we'll do another announcement later on in the show but uh what i want to focus on right now is you can choose who wants to go first either melissa or carolyn can you like think of any just good memories you have with Talking Comics or just what the, the podcast website people you've met or whatever have meant to you over the years. Let's get sappy up in here.
10: Oh, Jesus. I'm not good at sappy. That's Bob's job. <laughs> wait till wait, wait later. Wait a later.
5: <laughs>
10: well, um, Carolyn and I just sat here together going back to figure out when we started with Talking Comics, because my memory's not so good anymore. Um, and apparently 2012 was the first thing that i wrote for the the site uh and that was back when i did a piece called super news power punch which is where Alyssa punch i think came out of really yeah i
2: didn't know your origin story melissa this is
10: great i used to read news at one point that surprised me i don't remember that um (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't i think um let's see some of my favorite memories of talking comics have probably been our comic-con get-togethers mm. which are always yeah. wild and fun and exciting um the first time I saw Bob at a uh, comic-con was oops, oops. yeah he <laughs> he ran straight into me with a couple of cups of coffee in his hands just like <laughs> s- literally smashed into me and I remember asking everybody, how am I gonna find Bob? He doesn't have a phone. How am I gonna find? and he just ran right into me? And that's how we've been finding each other ever since. <laughs>
0: yes.
10: um, it
0: is kind of amazing how you just always run into Bob on yeah. those shows
10: <laughs> every <laughs> few hours. Literally run into him. <laughs> <laughs> um I think he was delivering coffee to Kelly Sue DeConnick at the time. Mm. Which you, I think he still correct. does. I still he do. Still does. <laughs> I'm the coffee
2: I'm the official coffee wrangler.
10: Yeah. Um I don't remember. I don't remember when I first. I don't remember when I first started bothering Steve. That was a long <laughs> time ago.
0: I think it was on Twitter. Yeah, year that I started. Yeah, you know, I've tried to figure that out. When you were coming out here for the wedding, I was thinking about that, and I was like, when did I exactly? And I was it through Hugh or? Uh, I I met a couple of really good people through him.
10: Stephanie brought me onto the show originally.
0: Ah, okay.
10: Her and I became friends, and she told me that they needed some writers, and she thought that I might write good stuff, so she asked me to come onto the site. Um, and then that also led to my very first podcast, which was The Misfits, in mm-hmm. its original form. Um, Indeed. Yeah. And I think that the, was it the 200th episode? Um, yes, we, did, li- we, we, did, we had. did
2: live at Jackie's.
10: Yeah, yep. Jackie's ha- That was a great memory, too, because that was really a strange and surreal experience to sit and podcast in front of listeners. <laughs>
0: yeah, 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 yeah.
10: Uh, that was a lot oh, of pressure. That was a good day. That was it was fun. a good day. We met a lot of fun people that day. We played Starwall. We did.
0: Yes. Um, we
10: played some Starwall.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, that game. That game is so good.
10: That, so good. <laughs> that was fun. And I made a couple of uh, friends that I made that day who were listeners of ours um, I've kept in contact with and have done podcasting with in other outlets ever since so um like Drew Van Gendron yes um Mm -hmm. yeah podcast with him a few times he's a great guy um Chris is a sweetheart um I think we all talk to him here and there too Mm -hmm. um so yeah I think just you know just meeting a lot of people and I definitely while I've been involved in a couple of online communities through the years um Mm -hmm. The first real serious one was through uh, Chris Hardwick. We had a, a community called The Node. Mm. Um, and that was where I met my Sirens co-hosts, who are, were obviously still good friends. Um, and But Talking Comics has been the first online community I've been involved in that has, I think, turned into some very serious, very uh, cherished, in-real-life friendships. Um, yeah. And... I remember that first time at a Comic-Con when I sat down next to Bobby and he handed me a microphone and said, hey, guess what? You're going to be on the show. And I was like, well, <laughs>
2: <yeah>. <laughs> S- sitting, on, sitting on the floor
3: in the Javits Center, right?
10: I don't talk. I type. I don't...
3: <laughs> Classic Bobby.
10: No, you can't. Me and he just said, it's fine. Just talk. That's all you have to do. Just talk. <laughs> and well, Bob it's... was sitting right next to me with, you know. 15 pages of notes that he ran through. Oh, no, I
2: did not. I did not. Very, very tiny not. letters. Right. Without oh. a hiccup. <laughs> you know what? One, I'll, no, so let me ahead, just man. run this by. I still remember vividly. Our, it was our first Women in Comics week, which would, would, would have been, I guess, the summer of 2012. Mm-hmm. And it was yourself, Stephanie, and Mara, and you took over the show one week. Mm-hmm. You were our Talking Comics host,
10: that was a crazy and, idea.
2: No, it was a great <laughs> idea because we were sitting around, the three of us, just in awe of what you were doing. And it was sort of in the back of, like, of all of our minds, we need to do more of what they're doing. <laughs> we, 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 you were so natural. The information from the three of you came out in such a lovely way that it was it was thrilling to listen to. And I knew at that point you were an absolute pro at this. You may not think so. You may not think so now, even after hundreds and hundreds of podcasts, but you're, you're aces kid. I'll tell you. Oh,
10: thanks.
3: Bob. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I felt like a little, get little chill up my spine on that one. That was good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and how about you, Carolyn? What's uh, what you share, share a little bit with us about your talking comics experience, but a, a long road,
9: a long road. Yeah. I, well, As Melissa said, before um, we started talking to you, we were talking to each other about our origin stories. And Melissa's is before mine. So that article that she mentioned that she wrote was February 2012. And mine started with an email, actually, um, because I, at the time, the spring of 2013, was writing an article about Wonder Woman. And I ran across a petition, an online petition, to get rid of the new 52 Wonder Woman (laughs) and uh, to bring back old classic Wonder Woman. And so I emailed, I guess, podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com or whatever it was then, and said, that guy Bob on your show, which I had been listening to for a few months, I think that guy Bob would like this petition. (laughs) Can you make sure he sees it? And then the next thing I knew, I got an email back from Bob that was about 35 pages long. I was going to say, you didn't
3: get, you got a, a novel. <laughs> a novel as an email. Classic, Bob.
9: That was all about Wonder um, Woman. And so yeah. so this was April 2013, and we started corresponding back and forth, and I, I guess, I think I sent him the article that I was working on in mm-hmm. draft form, because then when it got to be July, he asked if I wanted to be on the Wonder Woman Roundtable. So this is all very easy to look back now and be like, well, yeah, that really went somewhere, me writing about comics. <laughs> But at the yeah. time, I showed up at Bobby's apartment in a Wonder Woman t-shirt. I was so nervous. I was, like, sweating my ovaries off. And, I, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm sitting at this table, you know, with, like, tiny scrawled notes in front of me with um, Bobby and Steve and Bob and uh, Greg Rucca on the phone and Dr. Mara Wood on the phone and the great Trina Robbins on the phone. Yeah. And I just thought I would die of nerves Um, (laughs) and so that was the first of uh, something like 20 podcasts that i've done either talking comics this talking comics or talking comics presents or misfits
10: that totally shows up my level of pressure that i was under (laughs) the first time i did it
9: or thank you thank you (laughs) thank you for recognizing that um and book club because so we did we did that wonder woman round table which really is a fantastic Memory, but then um, it was that winter that we started to do book club, the video book club. Mm-hmm. And remember, we did the Killing Joke and Winter Soldier. Yep. Uh,
2: Days of Future Past.
9: I that was before. Yeah, yeah, I think that was just you two, wasn't it? Days of Future so. Past.
3: It's also two issues, so. <laughs> <laughs> no,
9: I know. I know. That we have more people on that point. show for sure. That is a fair I just don't
0: remember who the cast was for that one in particular.
9: Um, sorry I just hit the microphone I'm not used to this technology in front of me I'm used to talking <laughs> on my laptop when I'm talking to you guys it's like a real serious thing here yeah um, well oh, you, I, you I, have an Eisner
3: I, award I, now so you gotta... <laughs>
9: <laughs> So since that time I have continued to write about comics and uh I've continued to be on podcasts but but um I really feel like thank you for mentioning the Eisner stuff um I I am
0: that's no big deal <laughs>
5: Yeah. Total,
9: still, still doesn't really quite seem real, but I can <laughs> honestly with whole heart say that there's no way on this earth that I would have won that award without talking comics, because number one, here's little old me writing this email like, hey, that guy, Bob, should look at this petition. And then for whatever reason, you all trusted me enough to be on this Wonder Woman roundtable that I did not feel ready for. And I probably wasn't really ready for. Um, but sure. from there, when I started writing, not in academic journals, that's a different thing. But when I started writing my book, I really thought really hard about Talking Comics listeners. And I thought, I have to write this. I Don't, don't get me wrong. My book is still dense. I know it's dense. I know it's academic. <laughs> but um, But I rewrote it and rewrote it and rewrote it because I wanted to make it accessible to the people that you guys were reaching and continue to reach. And that became really, really important to me to write something for the community that would be useful. So uh, I want to thank you for taking a chance on me and continuing to have <laughs> me in the family.
0: Oh, it the is, the it's, pleasure it's our is our
2: all ours. Yes, absolutely. You've given so much to what we do. We play it bearing, being
3: erudite about these things.
2: Our, 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 our knowledge is
3: broad, but kind of shallow. Yeah, I don't know how to and... read, so it's really <laughs> tough.
9: It's <If> those pictures, though. <laughs> <go, laughs> right. really none of his students are listening right now.
3: Oh no, I tell them first
0: day.
10: Carolyn's been hiding that Eisner from me ever since she moved here. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen it yet? You haven't held it? No, she's hiding it from me. No, oh. it's, it's
9: because when we, the day before, <laughs> oh, so I live in New Paltz now. Hello. Hello, I I only live a few minutes away from Melissa. I no longer live on Long Island. Um, when the day before we moved, we packed kind of all of our most fragile stuff in a car and sent that car with my mother to my mother's house. So like our instruments and various things. And I hadn't unpacked the Eisner from Mm. because I moved the day after I got home from the Eisner's. So I hadn't unpacked it. So it was at my mother's house and then I didn't arrive to the house I moved in for a couple of weeks it was it is actually at my and, house now I, I forgot to show it, sent it to you
10: her a text the first day she moved in I said I'm not coming to visit you unless I can take a selfie with the Eisner said, <laughs> that, is true. <laughs> yeah, that exactly. is
9: true she said it's not here I swear <laughs> <laughs> please visit me
0: it's heavier than you'd think
9: it's heavier than you think and the globe actually spins which is cool
2: what oh, I didn't know that
0: there's yep. a scoop
9: <laughs> <laughs>
0: fantastic
9: uh, and, listen, and clearly, oh, that night would not have been the same without um, Steve and Mara and Matt.
0: Did you like our our whooping and hollering?
9: <laughs> yes, definitely. Of course, <laughs> I felt like the
0: most obnoxious person in that audience that night. We were so happy for you, though, and you know, of course, still are. It, it's such a it's such an amazing honor to 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 have been there and watched that happen. You know, as it was going down, it was, it was just a very elating experience. I was talking to Bronwyn about it, um, like, last week or something. I was like, do you ever, like, feel a ridiculous amount of pride for somebody and like, it has nothing to do with you, but you're just, like, stoked as hell? And so, like, yeah, it's called pride. And I was like, well, "I feel that for Carolyn? Oh. <laughs>
9: but, what, but, what I, but what's important that you know is that it, it does have something to do with you. It has something to do with all of you. And that includes everybody listening, too
0: all right well, try again. <laughs> before we all lying? fall apart uh yeah. i hate to cut this short but we, we uh. do have other guests ladies from from me from bob from joey bobby and then every everyone everyone else at talking comics talking comics is better for having you and we love you and we thank you for for everything that you've ever given to us whether it be friendship content and beyond you're you're doing oh, thank incredible- you and Melissa, we can't wait to hang out with you more. By the way, I made a mistake. It's not episode three oh one, it is three oh two. So So
9: correction. don't be waiting on that phone call next week. <laughs> yeah,
0: correction for that.
3: But, I uh, just show
10: up when you tell me to, Steve.
0: All right. Yeah. That's right. Boss
10: man. <laughs> I mean Bobby. I mean Joey. Hey man. Hey. Show you want. tell me when to show up. If it was me, I'd be like, Hey man, let's party all the time. It'd be great. <laughs> no matter what, I'll be back.
0: Indeed. Absolutely. Well and Carolyn Absolutely. will be back Absolutely. as well, as always. Mm-hmm. And uh so we will bid you adieu for this evening. But yeah, thanks uh thank you so much for coming on to to hang out with us. This thank has been amazing. You, thanks so much.
10: Thank you. Happy
9: you. anniversary. Thank you. Party on yeah.
10: dudes. <laughs> Welcome to Talking Comics. This is Melissa Megan, and I have my lovely co-host with me today, Jessica Schaefer. Hi, guys. <laughs> and Carolyn Coca. Hello. And we're celebrating our 300th episode. Ooh. Woo! <laughs> yeah! We've decided to invite a couple of friends of ours to talk to us about Talking Comics today. We have Joey Percino.
3: I am so honored to be here
10: with you guys right now thank you thank you joey and we have bob ryer
3: i'm i'm shocked that
2: you'd
10: even ask me and this dude steve <laughs>
0: oh, this I, I don't even this is amazing i've been listening to your show since episode one it's been such a wild ride
10: you're, you're a good fan you're loyal
0: oh, i just I, I love your show it's really you know like it's hard hitting but it's also very inviting at the same time and uh, it's just amazing. Congratulations on, on 300 episodes, really.
10: Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We've worked really hard on it.
0: Oh, I can tell. It yeah, shows. Yeah. It okay, shows. You guys,
10: yeah, party hard. Have fun with Jessica. We'll see you later.
9: <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Good
0: night. Hey.
2: Jess. Hey. You will be joining us next week for episode 301 All New, All Different, <laughs> All Different, All Now, Talking Comics Rebirth. Oh no. <laughs> The
3: talking I uh, really uh, love that. <laughs>
7: <laughs>
3: so, um,
2: so what I, are you, yeah. What are you thinking? What are you thinking?
7: Oh, what am I? am I'm, I'm I'm a little nervous. Uh, you know, I'm I'm very excited. Uh, you know, it's it's really cool. I I was pretty, I was pretty shocked when you asked me in the store. You know, I loved uh, James's face when we were sitting there. Yes. The other guy that I work with, he was like. You do it. You say yes. And I'm like, <laughs> you say, yes. say yes. Of course you say yes. He's like, you do it. You say yes. And I'm like, I will say yes. <laughs> so yeah, no, I'm super stoked. You know, I, I, I think it will be a good time. I think it will be a good adventure. You know, it's, a, you have it's an so awesome much, quest. <laughs> you,
2: have, you have so much to, to bring to us that uh, perspectives we don't have, haven't had before as a retailer, as a comic book Valkyrie. Yeah. And, and your, your reading is so broad.
7: It, it really yes. is I have a strange Fantasy
2: and superheroes and and gaming stuff
7: uh yeah I am a, a huge gaming nerd although with the yes. uh, with work you know working has really put a damper on that line please right mm-hmm. work. What is that about work.
5: yeah
7: <laughs> gotta work yeah i'm I am still at the comic book store but I did uh I was hired by a design agency in uh-huh. on Long Island so I split my time between the two places and I am tired <laughs> <laughs>
2: We'll 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 rocket that right out of you. You'll be good to go every <laughs> Tuesday night, filled with vim and vigor as they used hey, to say. Hey, I'm good to like go right now. Years. I'm
7: normally in bed, Bob. All right.
0: <laughs> 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 uh, Jess, what is your kind of the the beginnings of your your history with the, the show? I know that it's through Bob, Bob but how exactly did your that the stars align for that?
7: Um, you know, I so I started working for Anthony. And I'll tell you the story. It's funny because um, Bob- What's the name would, of
2: the shop? Oh,
7: the I started working for Androids Comics. Sorry. Oh, okay. I, you know, I'm used to, I'm used to talk plug, Bob in the store. Plug, right. uh, <laughs> plug for Androids Comics. I started working there. And, uh, you know, I was pretty new. And Anthony's like, listen, there's a guy named Bob who's going to come into the store. He's a really nice guy. And he's picking up this book. And he has a podcast. Be nice to him. I'm nice to everybody. But, you know, he was like, be nice to Bob. I'm like, okay. So Bob came in and naturally it was not hard to be nice to Bob. I was like, oh, I'm like, you know, like I'm expecting like some like hard ass to come in and it's Bob, you know, (laughs) and um, yeah, and I met Bob and he started coming in more and more and we just started talking and then you guys came to the store and uh, we did the the podcast at the store that one time Mm
5: -hmm.
7: and uh, we had a blast doing that. That was a great time. And then, uh, you know, I came back and joined you guys the last time and uh, now I'm here. And I talk to, I see Bob every Sunday. He comes to visit me. So that also helps.
2: <laughs> yes, it does. But I knew from that first live podcast Steve and I did that when you came to, to chat with us, it was just natural and it just flowed, conversation flowed. And that's what the show has always been about. As goofy as it's all gotten over the years, we've talked about some crazy stuff. Where we did how how much David Bowie did we talk with Matt Fraction? Where we did like twenty five minutes about David Bowie. The answer
0: to that question, Bob, is never enough. <laughs> never enough. Okay. No,
2: there's never enough Bowie ever. Right. right, right. So so it, it's it's only about the the fun we can have with each other, not necessarily the content. Though it is still talking comics and. You were just wonderful at it. And when we were starting to think about, who, who do you want to ask and throw into the mix here? I went, oh, I think Jessica would be a lot of fun. And it, it oh, was. It
5: absolutely
2: was. I <laughs> oh. I'm so happy you said yes. I have to say, when I, I came into the store and there were other people there, it was, uh-oh. Oh. It's like I'm proposing marriage to someone in front of a crowd.
7: <laughs> well, Bob, it's okay. They already know we have a thing.
2: They know you can see me.
7: And that you're yeah. already married to a, to a great
2: fellow. He's okay but... with it. He's fine. Okay. He's, good. he's good. I'm your work husband, in you're, a way. Yeah,
7: exactly. Right. Yeah, okay.
0: Talking <laughs> comic scandal. Oh, boy.
7: <laughs> yeah, no, Confidential. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Bob came hang out with me. He's like, oh, how is he? He's good. I'm like, yeah, he's great. You know? <laughs> Don't worry. He's fine. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, I'm... it does help that we do. We, me and you talk often together. So it's not, you know, it's not uncomfortable for me. And I've I've met Steve. I've never met Joey, but I would love to one day. Yeah, um, yeah. Comic-Con. Like Comic-Con,
2: maybe. We'll
3: do an after party. I'll just come up to Androids. Whatever. Yeah.
7: yeah. yeah, yeah Sunday. Sunday. Come, come hang
2: out with far. Bob. Far. We'll, we'll get huh? <laughs> There's a great burger place across the street where you can get a sunburn.
3: Yeah, just <laughs> bring a
0: hat. Yeah, maybe, uh... <laughs> Maybe we could do that down the road. I'll fly out and we'll, we'll do something from the store again.
7: Yeah,
3: yes. Yeah, cool. Oh,
7: that'd be great. Yeah, well, that would definitely be cool. We'll live
0: at Androids.
7: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I'd love to do it. Um, unfortunately, like I said, I could oh, I could do Saturday. I could do Saturday or Sunday with you guys, but that's... <laughs> I'm only there at that time now. It makes Aww. me sad. It was hard. It was hard to, like, you know, I've never had to, to somewhat leave a job that I liked. You know, every job that I've ever left was terrible and I was like... Thank God. And um, uh, that
2: was, yeah, it was rough. I had a job once. I Actually, I left at lunchtime and didn't come back.
0: <laughs> well, I have one of those.
7: Except, I, except that I,
2: nice. actually, I, I actually came back and picked up my lunch in the afternoon and then left. Because okay. it was still I in was, the refrigerator. Uh, you went back. I was <laughs> bold. I was bold.
0: <laughs> Bob, do you know <laughs> the Puppy <laughs> Depot in Corum?
7: Yes, absolutely. Oh, my God. That oh, nightmare. Yeah. That yeah, nightmare.
0: I worked there just for like I think two and a half hours.
7: I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> <And> blame you.
0: <laughs> I was disgusted. They literally gave me a smock, and then just walked away. And my job was to walk around and get to know, get to learn about the dogs. So I walked around the entire place. There were no cards. There were no breed names. There were no names of the animals anywhere. It was just this this terrible hellhole of a, oh. you know, dog sale place. It closed down. It closed it down. Clo-
7: it opened, but, opened again, but it closed down again too.
0: Right. It took way too long for that to happen, but yeah, that 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 place is uh, a sewer. For mm. <laughs> yeah. I have terrible memories of that because I love animals. I, I love dogs and that just that place just made me sad. Like
7: Yeah, and you thought you were I gonna have puppies. like a fun time, like I'm gonna sell puppies or I'm gonna hang yeah. out with puppies and we're I, gonna have a great day. And it was
0: not I, a good I, day. It's my job here? And they're like, You sell puppies. I'm like, all right. How do I do that? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, enough about me. Uh so Jess, I we will we will leave you uh leave you with this question that I have for you. Uh, you've podcasted before, but joining the show in a in a more regular capacity, like what's going through your mind as you prepare to kind of commit to something like week after week, what are you looking forward to? And what do you, what do you hope to get out of the experience? And what um, are I, you
2: dreading?
7: What am I, <laughs> I, I, I am dreading sounding like an idiot on the internet. Okay. That's, that's what am. I'm dreading. I do that it every
3: week. My... You're going to be fine.
7: <laughs> 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 you know, um, that's what I'm dreading. I, and you know, um, I'm excited. Like I said, I I think it's I find it as a as an adventure, you know, it's like a quest. It's a little it's a little quest that I took on, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm really looking forward to just I, I, you know, just sitting here chatting with you guys about this. And and I I like to talk about the subject. So I don't think it's that hard for me to do, you know, and uh, (laughs) and being able to just, you know, speak about the books that I love or the books that I don't, or, you know, I I know you guys are pretty open with having an opinion and that's Mm -hmm. always cool. Um, I don't feel like I have to like curb if you know I even though I know it would make Bob sad sometimes I think that was the last one we I was like sorry Bob I don't like Batwoman I'm sorry you know like but I can still have that opinion so you can that's the idea
0: all right uh Bob do you have anything else before we hook up with Uh, our next guest
7: I,
2: I I think that was a perfect last question Jessica welcome to the Talking Comics family officially you were part of it unofficially before but for all of us, we thank you for your service in advance. And I'll see you Sunday, but we'll be speaking to you Tuesday officially. Ooh.
0: Indeed.
7: Awesome. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much for having me and thank inviting me to join you guys can. on a regular basis. I'm really honored by it, too, as well. Like, I was, I was really taken back. I'm like... Oh, they like me. <laughs> like, <you laughs> they know. really like me.
5: It's I'm gonna be. I'm not
7: gonna go too far into it, yeah. but like growing up as a like semi chubby nerdy girl, you don't really, <laughs> you know, you have it was a little rough. So when you get older and you're like, it's okay, and people like me, it's kind of cool, you know.
3: <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be an awesome.
0: Yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have a good time. There's gonna be all, all all new energy bouncing around the show. It's gonna be a lot of fun.
7: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm down. It sounds very exciting. And again, thank you guys very much.
0: All right. Fantastic. Uh, Really quick, Jess, um, where can our listeners get in touch with you if they want to follow you anywhere uh, before you make your official jump onto the show next week?
7: My handle for everything, my gamertag, my everything is Jarsica. J-A-R-R-S-I-C-A. It is my Instagram, my everything. That's been my gamertag for the past, I don't know, 15 years. So that's how you can find me.
0: (laughs) Excellent. All right. Cool.
7: Thanks, Jess. See you next week. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I'll
0: see you next week. Take care. Bye bye. Hey, everybody. We are back and we have a very, very special guest with us in the house. We have Dr. Mara
1: Wood. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys.
0: hey welcome
1: home hey what's up hey yo what's What's up i'm
0: beyond this now but it's cool it's cool (laughs) to be here mara if you could
11: pick any comic book character to be your best friend who would it be oh my gosh i don't know i i I was thinking about that uh i don't want it to be someone who's better than me though (laughs) oh
3: that's impossible so 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 wonder woman's
11: out i am sorry diana i can't be best friends with you because i'll just feel inferior the whole time
3: oh no Um, she wouldn't do that she's so humble no
11: but that's the thing like edit candy feels it and like some of the older comics and things like that Mm. i can't risk that that mental health you know (laughs) liability right there (laughs) uh so i need someone who's a hot mess Mm. (laughs) someone who just doesn't understand so probably uh she hulk
3: nice oh
0: that's a lo- that's a loaded topic around here right now.
11: Oh, okay. <laughs> I have not been reading. Oh, I was just gonna
0: ask you if you've been reading the new run. No,
11: I'm talking like John Byrne, She Hulk. Mm, I'll take okay. her. Okay. 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 All right. Okay. Cool. I
3: feel we, much
5: we, can <laughs> yeah. we
11: can go clubbing. Clubbing. <laughs> Patsy Walker will hang up. out. Yes.
0: Yeah. By the way, this question—we're uh, doing listener questions. In case you hadn't guessed, <laughs> this uh, this question comes in from Gizmodo and or Sam of Talking Games Fame. Woo! Nice. She's awesome. She had patience to try and teach me how to play Battle Battlefield, and I'm I'm the worst. Uh, okay, PUBG, whatever you want to call it, Battlegrounds. That's it. Not Battlefield. Battlefield's a totally different game. So, uh, Joey. Yeah. I know that you want a certain comic book character for a best friend. Yeah. Who is it? Her name I... is Kate
3: Bishop. Um, nice. I think we get along really well. We go to the movies, solve cases, get tacos, read by the water.
1: Eventually, the eventually
3: we'd, uh, we'd agree that our friendship needed to be something more and enter into a wonderful relationship and live happily what? ever after in a bungalow by the beach. And I hate the sand, but I do it. Um, the dog would have the dog would have to go though sorry i can't that's just not that's just not me but i feel like our, our love would be stronger than the dog so uh you know the dog also also bucky i think would be great too <laughs> um and scott summers because he's right all the time but those relationships would be very different than the relationship i would have with uh kate bishop <laughs> oh what
11: you and bucky wouldn't take it to the next level i you know what now that you kind of like say it out hey, verbally.
3: I, ship it. I, I, I ship it. I ship myself and <laughs> and Bucky
11: Jucky. <laughs> Bowie.
0: Oh, All There's right. got
11: to be a fan fiction for it out there. Yeah. There
2: is now.
0: There is. Joey's gonna write it tonight. Yeah,
11: I'm writing it right now.
0: Joey's Cupid.
11: Mm.
3: all right
0: Mm, mm, that's mm, mm, that's that's a great answer joey
3: i know i thought about it like i didn't actually think about it i was like who do i want to be my friend kate bishop and then we'll grow into something more question mark Question
0: all right uh i will go next if i could pick any comic book characters my best friend who to be and why okay so my initial pick was uh kamala khan ms marvel because I would love to kind of hang around and hear about her fan fiction and all of her, you know, crazy adventures. I like that she is a, a freedom and justice fighter. Uh, I love what she stands for. And she's got a lot of really cool connections and friends. And I feel like after a while, she'd trust me enough to tell me the deal and maybe bring me to like Avengers Tower or whatever. So I could share some uh, shawarma and uh and, and cocktails with with everybody you know it could happen and you never know but as, as amazing as that sounds i thought of someone else that, that i would really really uh love to become best friends with and that is the silver surfer oh he'd take you on some adventures that's yeah. what i'm saying like if he was willing to have me ride the board with him, yeah. I would totally go on some Silver Surfer slash Who adventures with him through the different dimensions and help reset history and put all the pieces back together again. Yeah, I know it'd be really dangerous, but oh man, like no. you'd never, I would never be able to come back from that. And, and And it'd be so hard to tell people about it, like what you see and what you do and half people wouldn't even believe you and it would be that those memories would be mine i ship it you know i ship it yeah and i just i just think that would be that'd be a good win silver steve <laughs> yeah, man our cosmic you know borrow it for an afternoon something mm. like that all right mr bob same okay. question
2: i have so many answers i mean my pet answer would always be ben Grimm because how could you have a better friend than that guy but taking up something that joey said look if you don't want Lucky the Pizza Dog, I'll take her. Yeah,
0: you can take her. Look, like, oh, because so I mean, animals' man's best friend, right? So Dude, for me. Winks and everything.
3: Yeah, yeah.
11: he
0: solves
3: crimes, solves mysteries, right? Come look, on, it's look. Lucky. I only want animals on my plate, okay? Or you know, that any, that, any anything else, I just don't
11: want them. Okay. At least uh, you know what you want. Yeah, deep fried. Right. Important. Deep
3: fried.
0: Well, see if I ever invite you to the zoo. <laughs> <laughs>
11: The zoo.
3: Um, well, <laughs> the zoo. We're going through the zoo.
0: Joey doesn't like zoos.
3: <laughs> zoos are great, but yeah. So but kazoos are, kazoo's are Kazoo's are Kazoo's are great.
0: You like seeing them in captivity because yeah. you're cold.
3: Captivity yeah. or on a plate? That's that's the bottom line Jesus. for me.
0: Either in a cage or well, my belly. Take your pick. <laughs> yes. All right, Bob. So give us okay. give us. A okay. List.
3: I also
2: and you mentioned the other side of this equation, I think Dawn Greenwood would be a heck of a friend. Oh, Absolutely. Because someone who's, uh, as a rather staid person, you sometimes need the adventurous wild side to be the yin to the yang or the yang to the yin. How does that work? I forget which side is which. But either way...
5: <laughs> it's you a
2: complete the, You complete the <laughs> circle, so that's great. You, or the Mobius Strip, as the case may be with the silver <laughs> I never. I didn't see I, that... I, Yep, yeah, I know, because you read it digitally and it cost <laughs> me comic of the year!
3: I'll
11: <laughs> never forget that. Oh, ever,
3: favorite ever, memory. Ever, favorite ever. memory for 300 it, episodes. Why is this comic
11: so weird? And
2: it comes back into play in issue 13, which came out this week, by the way. Mm. But my two picks are, my two really, really picks are, one Joey's gonna love right away because it's Patsy Walker.
3: Nice. poca.
2: Exactly, right? That cover, you know, my best pal, number one pal, that's the person you want, who'll stick through with everything. And on that same basis, I think at this point, my number one pick is Maps Mizuguchi.
11: Aw, yeah.
2: Who, right, never let her best friend down. Always find a way, always believe, even when she's burning down Gotham City. <laughs> at a certain level, she still believes in Olive. And boy, you want someone on your side, so... Best best comfortable friend, it's either Patsy or Maps.
0: Awesome. Cool. Those are all good choices, Bob.
2: Thank you, sir.
3: Yeah, I, I ship like them it. all. I
0: ship them all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to go into a couple of, like, 300th podcast anniversary questions for a little bit, because I want to get some of these in with Mara here.
11: Okay. All
0: right. Now, John D. says... It might be hard to remember, but do you have a favorite bit or conversation that never made it to the air?
2: Well, I've got one of those. i got one of those right away.
0: All right, Bob, why don't you start?
2: It was our only live guest. We had Peter David, who lives in Patchogue, when Bobby was recording in his, his apartment. And he came in, sat down, and we had a lovely conversation about X Factor and Hulk and all sorts of great things. And then there were 45 minutes of discussions between Peter and Stephanie about poutine and (laughs) which restaurants in Canada you could get the best (laughs) French fries with gravy on. Mm. And it was hysterical to sit there and, 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 and watch and listen to. And I had never heard of poutine until then. And the first thing I wanted to do when I left was to go look it up and where I could buy some like <laughs> holy mackerel and then carolyn showed us that great place in huntington vauxhall that when we went to her signing
5: mm-hmm.
2: for superwomen that did great poutine and didn't you have that crazy sandwich that was made with waffles
0: yes i did it was a waffle grilled cheese belgian yeah. waffle grilled cheese oh right. My God.
2: A grid, God. right a griddled cheese sandwich I had that. When we we I met Carolyn some weeks ago before she moved over there, and I added bacon. So grilled cheese and bacon on two waffles. Bob, yeah,
0: you know what I you know what I made for breakfast this morning? Go ahead. Whiskey infused bacon.
2: Sold. I want it. Was, I want
0: it, that, was yeah. <laughs> I it was amazing. It was amazing. I still have some of it left. I have two racks of it left
2: guys. I'm so hungry <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's my best didn't make it to the air show uh, story
0: Um, i'll go super quick Mine is um pretty much a lot of the banter I mean, I know we come onto the show and sometimes we start the show and uh, we ramble on for a little bit but all the stuff that leads up to those conversations kind of catching up with my friends every week, finding out what everyone's up to, and in particular, kind of the the off-air stuff. You know, we try to keep the show relatively positive. We go negative when we feel like we need to. <laughs> yes, we do. But, but, yeah, yeah, but, for, you know, for the most part, we we air a lot of those grievances before we, uh you know, start going to the theme song and stuff like that. And sometimes the rants and the venting and the high-pitched voices and the, like, Why are you looking
2: at me when you say that? No,
0: no, no. It's all of us. It's all of us, Bob. Like when the claw comes out, when your hand is just in that position where you're just why, why (laughs) are they doing this? I don't understand what happened today. Or we're talking about some kind of an article and we're debating about whether or not to bring it onto the show. And we're sitting there and we're like, this is just so fucking stupid. This is so stupid. I can't believe we're even talking about this. Those, those conversations are always my favorite. And, and sometimes I wish that that stuff did make it into the show because it's damn funny.
2: Mm. Yeah.
3: Amen.
0: So, uh, what about you, Joey?
3: Bob did a half an hour on James Bond a couple of weeks ago that I can't find <laughs> anywhere. It was so good. Really? We, we broke them all down. We went through Dalton. We went through Lazenby. We went through them all. Um, and then there was a moment, I, I think we were all there for that. It was, I think it was the wonder woman episode where, uh, uh Carolyn, who was on the show before, her daughter came in off air, and she, and and she was like, "Hey, do you want to say anything to anybody?" And Anna just goes, "No," and walks away. <laughs> it was so good, and I I, I remember because I I I was I went back through like because I save all of the recordings. So all this stuff that you guys don't want people to hear, I'm saving it as blackmail material oh. down the line. So I oh th- that came up too. There's a lot of great stuff and there might be a day where I splice up some of the some of the good stuff and singing the theme song. People don't know but like uh-huh. when we stop recording, we sing that theme song play out all the time. It's it's really awesome.
2: <laughs> Actually, that reminds me of another one. We did an episode where <laughs> Bobby was sick. Right, right. And it was Steve and Stephanie don't, and I God. scat singing the theme song for, and we did it for like five five minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yep, it was <laughs> really
2: good.
5: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and he wouldn't let us use it as the theme song. Back in the
0: hall, just as I
2: mean, with good reason, but there, it was
3: pretty fun.
0: There was no good reason to keep that from the good people. Yeah, I have several be, versions
3: of it that I can share.
0: Yeah, we should do our own like theme song. We do like a like a barbershop quartet version starting with the next episode. It's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. I'm saying it. Yeah. Especially considering
2: I can't sing. Yeah, but you know, we'll figure it
0: out. I'll do it. Me 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 me. All right, Mara, do you have a favorite moment that never made it to the air?
11: Um I was trying to think. I I can't think of a specific one, but I know there have been a couple instances where I don't record before the show and there's a a long bit or something like that and then someone says, You're recording that, right? <laughs> no. No, sorry. Can't release it for Patreons or anything like that.
5: Oh
11: lost forever. Oh.
5: Uh, uh. All right.
2: Let's here's here's a not make the air that doesn't happen enough. I love when you go full Mega Maramon on your sign-off, and we never (laughs) hear enough of that, so I sure hope we're going to hear one today. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Oh, you're
5: embarrassing
3: her, Bob.
5: I Um, want to hear one. I
2: have to hear one.
0: (laughs) All right. Sammy Cassell, long-time listener and friend, says, What's your favorite funny story from the first 299 episodes? Something that makes you giggle when you think about it. Uh, again, I'll go super duper quick. It's got to be, we mentioned it a little bit earlier, and I think there's a question about it later. But uh, talking comics theater, when when we, yeah. we pulled together those episodes, uh, doing Bob's story was fantastic. But the Fantastic Four radio play that we did was French, just French accents. <laughs> oh, it was riotous. It was unreal. And I do believe that some of the outtakes and some of the stuff—it was definitely live the, when we there did the it. There's the Patreon. No,
2: there, there, there are two different versions. There's the, okay. the edited Fantastic Four and the Patreon version, which has all the extras.
0: There you go. reason to get the Patreon. Yeah. Uh, you know that stuff. That like when I think about fond memories and just having a ball and cutting loose it was doing the line, the line readings for those things and the way that that all came together with the sounds Absolutely. and the music and everything. And it was just such a, such ridiculous fun with all the stupid voices and the, the hilarious jokes. And I mean, those, those were some really, really good times. Got to
3: bring that back. Yeah. Got to bring that back.
0: Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll,
3: we'll talk about that in a I'm little ready. bit. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready. So um, veteran of the stage,
0: <laughs> let's go with Mara. Uh, what's your favorite funny story from the first ninety nine?
11: can you come back to me i'm still thinking <laughs> sure.
0: joey uh i think the Saska sisters
3: episode i think oh was, you me to that one yeah. just i still think about it it was just a riot every day and um all the obscure um literary references that bob drops every once in a while like louisa <laughs> may alcott got me and i just was <laughs> dying um but also ever since um uh bobby uh stepped off of the hosting all the puns that we get to make now that he's not here yeah. I, I love i think that's so good i just the puns making a comeback i love it
0: i agree yeah. but I, agree.
2: I, I i i will i will second on the saska sisters and near the end you know steve and bobby i were sitting in bobby's office at that point and I had I had like forty seven more questions
3: to ask,
2: and so he passed me a note. Uh, can we can, one more because we've already been at this like an hour, and you know you don't want to have people overstay. They're welcome. You want them to be able to come back again. So I I had read that they had an affinity for a certain movie musical. Yes, yes, they did. And, right, and so I threw it out there. And they break into
3: Skid Row downtown from Little Shop of Horrors. Well, to the yes they did. That's what yes. we should do as Target Comics Theory. We should get the Sasuke sisters on here and do Little Shop of Horrors. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes.
0: <laughs> wow. Can we do that?
3: Suddenly, Seymour. Feed, more. Oh, Feed can... me, Seymour. Feed me now.
0: <laughs> oh, we should uh, you're gonna. you're going to get it. We should yeah. totally do that. <laughs> Would you got to lose? Oh, I would so do that. I love that musical. It's so good. Put it on the list. Definitely. Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop shop of Horrors.
11: Okay. All right. Mara, we're back to to you. Time's up. Uh, I guess something that makes me smile. Um, (laughs)
5: Jesus. Would be
11: back. Well, I don't. I can't remember. Guys, I didn't have these questions ahead of time.
0: The day I got to leave this <laughs> circus, I'm
11: trying to think on the spot. I know um, I totally
0: didn't prep you and totally dropped the ball on you coming on tonight. I really sincerely apologize. Um, uh, I, I
11: I would go to the Sejiks having them on. Oh yeah,
3: uh, that was great.
11: Because they were they were very entertaining guests, and there wasn't a dull moment with them
3: talked about video mm-hmm. games for like 45 minutes with that right. yeah
11: I don't, I don't know what they were talking about but it was entertaining Yeah,
3: I was so thrilled that we it,
2: it, it's sort of been my gig I guess here and there I've gotten married couple creators to so come on <laughs> well no Staphan Alinda uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor Matt Fraction and Kelly Sue DeConnick I'm still working on Walt Louise Simonson
11: hmm.
2: I'm hoping I'm hoping
11: that would be a a great couple to have on.
2: Yeah. All Reds too, right? We had Michael on early, way way back, but that would be a good one. Absolutely, Joey. I'm I'm that one down.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, moving right along, we've got Joseph Montague. Who asks, what are some of your favorite memorable goofs or oh. mistakes you've had on the podcast? Oh. I'll I'll field this one. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> As the longest running member on the Talking Comics podcast, oh. you might be aware of how many times over the years I have fumbled through people's names. What's I don't mean, favorite, I don't you? mean to do it. Oh, I don't know, Bob. Some of them are pretty brutal. Some of them are pretty brutal. Uh, those are always kind of bittersweet because I, I feel like in some small way that I've offended the creator by not being able to to pronounce their stuff. But then that's also just part of who I am. I, I don't know accents. Sure. I I guess it's not very charming, but it, it is part of who I am. And I, you know, I do apologize to anybody's name who I screw up. Mm. Uh, I try to do my best, but, you know. Whatever. Uh, in terms of memorable goofs and mistakes, I don't know. I do. I make them all the time. Like I'm kind. Of, I did it earlier in the show, or, or later in the show. Whenever the hell this is gonna. Yeah, end up. Right. <laughs> We've recorded so many different segments and different times tonight so far. Uh, I announced that Melissa was coming onto the show with 301, but it's actually yes. gonna be 302. 302. Like it happens. This it happens all the time. <laughs> And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it is what it is. Stuff. Um, but you will, you will never be short on goofs or mistakes. So long as Steve say is a part of the talking comics podcast <laughs> Got you covered, uh, make you feel a little bit better about yourself when, uh, that theme music starts playing in the outro. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to pass it on to going around Joey. Okay. So, Remember the
3: Batman versus Superman episode, all right? This was a big fucking deal because it fell on my spring break, so I drove out to the island to record with you guys.
2: That's right. Do you yeah. remember that?
3: Okay. Yep. And first of the, all... We had some tapas and had a glass of wine. Yeah, and the whole, yeah. Yep. First of all, my microphone literally broke the episode, if you'll remember, right? The way that it was yes. plugged in or whatever literally broke that episode. But after Bob had put like three glasses of whiskey in me. Um, we were, t- I was talking about daughters of the dragon. And instead of saying misty night, I said, misty stone, which is a very different misty in a very yes, different is. career yep. path than misty Knight. <laughs> and I, and that was, that was She's a, a lady
0: of star and screen. That
3: was a goof. That was a goof that I remember very vividly. And I was like, man, they're still going to have me on this show. After that, after I broke the show, and referenced a uh, a uh, actress in in, yes. in 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 that in that segment there.
0: <laughs> Amazing! <laughs> if I could just add to my goofs list really quick, You're actually yeah. reminded me of something. Talk about breaking the show! I gotta give it up to Stephanie for back in the day that every time
2: I was just gonna say that, yeah,
0: Every time that she would mention the Fantastic Four, her microphone would short out or Her the polar
2: bear internet would cut out
0: yeah, <laughs> would stop working yep. uh one time we actually lost a whole segment of the show because mm-hmm. bobby couldn't get it back and oh god so if you want to talk about goofs or mistakes every time that Stephanie brought up the fantastic footage, but well fantastic footage. and just she'd keep talking and we would bet steph stephanie step no we're no. It's, it's gone we need to start over and, Just uh, when I
2: thought I was making progress, you know? Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, good times.
0: Good yeah. Times.
2: Um, it was only a couple of weeks ago where I spent five minutes fumbling for the name of Lin-Manuel Miranda. The guy <laughs> who wrote Hamilton. <laughs> Come <laughs> on, man. Come on. Exactly. I mean, exactly. I know it like I know my own name and it, nothing. And I'm looking around the room here. And it's great if I want to know the name of John Carpenter, George Romero, Orson Welles, but Lynn Miranda, nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> I am I made so many goofs that nobody ever caught that I still apologize for anyway. I'd go on the forums or write people an email. You know that issue I said it was? It wasn't really Avengers 12. It was Avengers 13. I'm sorry. That it was just like, you no, know, you're going to get these things, get them, get them right but your those Fantastic Four moments were so amazing because when I first came on the show, that was you know a book that was kind of in flux. It was about to get real because of Jonathan Hickman. And I was trying to convince people, you should read this. I know it's an old book. And it worked with you, Steve, I got to say. I had one convert. But that every every time poor Stephanie mentioned the name,
5: mm-hmm.
2: it's as if there was a solar eclipse or a meteor would strike or something goofy would happen. Yeah. But then when we d- actually did the, the our radio plays, that that turned into so much fun. So the goofs become something special. They're endearing. We're human after all. <laughs> I know Mara's never made a goof. She is too well-prepared.
11: No, because the I was thinking like the biggest goofs I have are just about any time I get really excited about a comic book and I can't explain it. Um, and it mostly just turns into me squealing. Um,
2: <laughs> which is good. Which is, which is charming.
11: And it's usually about Star Wars or it's about whatever shows or manga I, I, I read that week. But uh, I always leave that Segment thinking nobody knows what this book is about. Nobody's going to go read it because <laughs> it, it's just there's nothing there anymore. Um, yeah,
2: <laughs> I'm going to give you a second chance. I had a a listener email this week wanting okay. to know should they begin Akira and where? So well, for Francisco, here it comes.
11: Uh, Kodansha, I believe, is releasing a big box set of the akira manga um like limited edition library copy you know like the the fancy manga um so definitely if you're willing to drop like 120 bucks
2: okay if you're willing to drop 20
11: bucks (laughs) yeah um
2: also the akira starter set
11: a lot of libraries carry it okay um I know a couple of libraries in my area have the the big oversized additions. Um, so, and you just start with volume one.
5: There you go. That,
2: there you go. See, Francisco, now you've got a real answer from an expert. I didn't know anything. So I, I asked Marla.
0: <laughs> All right. Are we ready to move on to our next question? Marla, yeah. did you, uh-huh. did you give your goofs and yourself?
11: I think I did.
0: All right, good. So, Uh, This question comes from Carl Winthrop on Twitter, and the question is, what makes a comic timeless? What comic, currently publishing, will people come back to 50 years from now? Hmm. I have a couple in mind. Uh Should I go first? Sure. Uh, the first series that comes to my mind that people will be reading in 50 years is Saga. Yeah, Saga is it'll still be absolutely... going on in 50 years. Yeah, it'll still <laughs> yeah, be exactly. published in 50 years. Who knows? Okay, uh, That's going to end up being a, a timeless piece of uh, comic book history for sure. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. I also think uh, this. Is, I didn't get to talk about this in my lightning round, but I read uh, Bitch Planet over again hmm. uh, in preparation to have Kit on the show and i gotta tell you that is some powerful comic book making my friends the back matter in that comic by itself Amen. is first of all should be published in a well, an oversized hardcover
5: mm-hmm. from
0: image they'd be fools mm-hmm. not to do it and two and i mean this wholeheartedly there it should have its own or at least an honorary award at the eisners for all of the back matter stories and uh research papers and confessionals and advice and on all this all the stuff all of it there are so many brilliant women writing in the back of that book and it's 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 inspiring and it's scary and it's sad but it's just amazing it's it's just as rock solid as the mainline story itself and everything in between it's a fantastic series uh and i think that it means a lot to a lot of people. It's created its own movement. And I think that the the messaging in that series is going to carry for several years to come. Hopefully, things will have changed in 50 years.
2: Amen.
0: Heaven forbid. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think it's going to be looked back uh, on, uh, you know, during the time when, when things were, you know, maybe getting a little bit off the ground. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. So, those are two. I'm sure that I could think of, of several more. Those are but both um, yeah, those are. I'll, I'll just do those two if we want to. Bob, do you have any?
2: Yes. Uh, for me, and from the first issue I read, I compared G. Willow Wilson's Ms. Marvel to mm-hmm. the Steve Ditko Stan Lee Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And nothing in the couple of years since has changed my opinion. It has actually grown. The book as great as it was gets better and better and deeper and deeper into it's a way to throw messages out there in a way that is organic and not preachy. We have characters we can relate to, which is where it it comes from because it's from the heart and that's from Ms. Wilson's heart and Kamala's. Mm. And this is a book that when you, when you look backwards at it, here's where things were different in comics. Before that was something else. But as with a lot of things, I I talk about movies a lot on this show because, well, I've got a house full of movies and Steve's a movie guy too. 50s monster movies, we all think about giant bugs and whatever's going on. There's actually a precursor. There's something that starts it. It's a 1948 movie called Unknown Island and no one cares, but I'm going to throw it out there. But... To me, I mentioned in my talk at the library, I think the book that changes things. So if I'm going to mention Ms. Marvel, I need to mention the book that makes Ms. Marvel happen. That's Kelly Sue DeConnick's Captain Marvel. Where you, you took a character that had been multiply fridged by very different writers who took apart what had been... What it tried to be done back in the '80s with this character was, was supposed to be a very forward-looking character that that then t- been turned into a drunkard, thrown from the Avengers twice, impeached, and all the the other horrible things in that annual. I don't even want to talk about. Or actually, it's issue 200 or whatever. I, I, I'm angry already. But here's the thing, we turn Ms. Marvel into Captain Marvel with embracing the legacy, changing things, not being in the bathing suit with the the boots and the whole mess, and now it's the military basis of Carol Danvers. Her backstory. It began to change the way people looked at comics, as we will hear or will have already heard, Kit, I'm I'm time-traveling she was a person who cosplayed as Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps. And it was that energy that went through the Marvel offices that got Sana Aminat, who was editing Captain Marvel, to propose the idea of Ms. Marvel. So I think those two characters and those two series are linked. And there's, a, there's, a, there's always a moment there's a tipping point and i think that whole little period we're looking 2012 13 14 where things began to look differently in comics where readership started to change again and so for for my money it's those two series captain marvel and ms marvel in in tandem that will be looked at 50 years from now as that's the place where things were different
0: nice nice Okay. Uh let's each if you've got two, let's just do two. Joey, do you have some some comics you would like to add to the list?
3: I had Miss Marvel saga. I also think the Hawkeye Run from Fraction Lemire through oh, Thompson, I abs- think, is absolutely. gonna is gonna stay. Um I also think uh Lumberjanes, I think, will probably stick around for a while. Um Hmm. And also yeah. this little book I really enjoy. It's called uh The Wicked and the Divine. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard of it. I know no one else is reading it, but uh, in 50 years, everyone's going to be like, hey, they used to talk about this book on Talking Comics. One of the hosts, his name was Joey. He talked about Wicked and Divine. That book was really fucking good. I probably should have read it. Walking around
0: with shirts. Joey was right.
3: Exactly.
11: (laughs) Scott Summers.
0: All right, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mara, do you have uh, two titles you'd like to add to the list?
11: I feel like this is right of my alley because I, I would think of these as legendary runs. Oh, plug! Um, oh, plug! Uh, Step. I've, I've got two that are ongoing right now. That as soon as they're finished, I'm like legendary, and one that recently finished that is legendary. Um, so the recently finished one, Rachel Rising. Yes. I think I think that is a wonderful comic series that has oh, probably. Probably Go not ahead. as great as Impact of Strangers in Paradise, but a different kind of impact.
5: Mm-hmm.
11: And then the two that are currently going, that I think, have significant impact. Um, Monstrous and Lazarus.
0: Yes. Wow. Both very good picks. Uh, I also want to throw Lock and Key into the ring. Oh, yeah, definitely. As well. All right fantastic listen up you guys uh this podcast as expected is going very long so we're gonna save some of your questions that you sent in because you guys are awesome for uh our next podcast but i am gonna ask one more because i think it's important to the theme of tonight's show and this one comes from luciano uh the arctic beast on twitter
2: arctic beast luciano yeah Oh,
0: yes. Yeah, he's called in for other anniversary yep. shows. Very, very cool dude. All right. So he says, wow, 300. Has it been that long? Did you ever think that the podcast would make it this long? Is Luciano's question. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 you know. <laughs>
5: yeah. It's all right. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: I mean, again, just selling like a broken record. Like, as somebody who's been on it, from the very first episode, and who has gone on to now host the show, it's wild. Like it, I, 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 I had a feeling that it would last this long, but when you think about the actual span of time, you know, we're coming up. We're very close to six years. Mm. That's, that's a long time. It's a long time to be getting together with your friends every week. Sometimes even more so, and getting together and talking about something. For this long, you know, it's it's a good thing that the, the the medium changes from week to week because it keeps the content fresh. But, but still, uh, yeah, but I think it's I think it's a testament to a lot of what we have going on here that, you know, we've had some some rotations in the chairs and stuff like that. But, you know, no matter what, like the, the relationships that that were forged here through the show have, you know, have are special and have remained special. And am I surprised that we made it this long? Absolutely not. Because the the connections that we have as fans and as friends, you know, it totally eclipses, hey, the, you know, it totally eclipses time. And thanks, Joey. Really Thank
2: appreciate you, Bonnie it. Tyler. Yeah, you should have sung that.
0: Oh, the puns. You want, them? Got them.
2: <laughs> you want puns? We got puns.
0: But um, I'm going to save a little bit of my going on and on uh, for after we wrap up the questions. But real quick, uh, let's go around the circle. Joey, Yeah. did you think we were going to make it to 300? Yeah, man. I always liked the uh, whole mission of the thing.
3: I thought it was going to last. Uh, I think it could last a long time. The, like you said, the books come out every week. And, and I think just the format. But I think what, what keeps it going is that the community is there. You know, if the listeners weren't there listening, then we would probably still hang out every Tuesday and talk about comics. But, you know, the <laughs> fact that no the fact that people want to hear and want to participate and send us questions, I think that keeps it going, too. And as long as they stick around, we'll stick around, I think.
0: You hear that? So don't go anywhere. <laughs> Just, uh,
3: please,
2: you listeners, stay there. It's,
11: let's go to Mara. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. Um
0: ridiculous
11: yeah yeah 400 500 i think we could do
10: it all right let's not let's not push it all
2: right i mean why not
11: i got like
3: 10 more in me (laughs) (laughs) and mar you'll you'll come back see that's it comes around again yeah my (laughs) (laughs) knees my knees aren't as good as they used to be i can't keep can't keep running this stuff
0: Melissa's going to come on to the show. She's going to usurp the whole thing (laughs) and get Mar back on. And one day, like, we're just going to go to sign on to Skype and it'll be blocked. Like, what the hell hell is going on here?
2: Uh, Bob, how about you? I I think it's amazing. And just what Joey has said, it's, it's about the community. So that said, what within us created that? It is friendship. And, yeah, would we hang out and just chat? If we were sitting in a bar talking about comics on, on a Thursday, the day after New Comic Book Day, yes. And I think it's that, Bon ami, that.
3: What was that? That was thunder and lightning outside my window. Whoa. I, lightning I, I round. Use French,
5: I
2: use a French word, and we go to lightning, the thunder and lightning. <laughs> I get it.
11: Okay. Bon ami. Thor's here. Bon Ami.
2: Thor and Valkyrie are in the in the
11: house. Ooh. Valkyrie's in Mars
3: house.
2: It, it is it is that <laughs> special bond we've all had, no matter the combinations, no matter what's going on, that every week we put something out there that people are responding to because they respond to a chemistry that is different than what they're used to seeing in their local store, which is people Screaming and yelling at each other and we're different. And that difference helps.
0: That's beautiful, Bob. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Getting uh get Misty Stone over here.
2: Or oh, just wait. <laughs> alright, okay, alright, alright. <laughs> alright,
3: okay.
2: She's right. my favorite. She's my absolute favorite. <laughs> <laughs> right when she and and luke box were a a couple
0: it was great okay all right uh did we go around is everybody yeah we did yeah all right all right mara yes thank you so much for coming on to the
11: show and hanging out with us we miss you oh i miss y'all too oh we had a good time in san diego uh yeah oh yeah eisner party
0: yeah so good Times. All right, you guys, we. Wait
2: a minute, wait, wait, wait. No, where, wait, can, wait. Where, where can listeners find oh, Mara? Right. Oh, that's
10: right.
11: Oh, oh yes, yes. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, where I tweet a lot about my dog, and a lot about comics, and a lot about psychology. Find me at Mega Mara Mon.
3: Yes, yes. Burn <laughs> up, burn up, burn up, burn up, burn up, burn up, burn up. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Dr. Mara. Thank you.
0: Hey everybody, we're back for what I believe is the final time <laughs> this podcast. I really can't be sure at this point. And uh, you know, we're we're just gonna say a few things. This is a, a very special episode for us, obviously, and it's been a long journey. I don't have anything prepared, I didn't write anything for tonight, but um I'll just start this off by saying, you know. How much all of you listening out there mean to me. You know, whether we have interactions or not, I, I I appreciate your listenership. Some of you I appreciate your friendship. I really, really just can't stress enough how much Talking Comics has changed my life for the better numerous, numerous times. You know, we've we've talked about this about the web. And how things are interconnected. And if you push the domino over, there's a domino effect of who met who and how and how we all came together. And we came to be here 300 episodes later. you know. And that goes for everyone that's ever been on the show. That goes for Bobby. It goes for Stephanie. It goes for Mara, Carolyn, Melissa. Everyone. Everyone. Every guest we've ever had. Anybody who's been kind enough to share a, a reveal with us and, and to our listeners first about something that they have cooking and, and things like that the incredible conversations that we've ha- had on and off air with the good people that have you know have graced this podcast and yeah it's just it's been an incredible ride you know I wouldn't have the, the dear friends that I have uh, talking comics keeps me connected to New York at a time where I'm still kind of transitioning from moving to Canada to be with my wife and everything. I love having this podcast to come to every uh, you know every Tuesday night to record and share our thoughts and feelings about comics with you guys. And you know, my my only request, you know, if you if you love the show, just tell your friends, you know, and 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 subscribe and and share and just you know let them let them know that this podcast is out there. And if you know somebody who's looking to get into comics but doesn't know how or is saying that they don't know where a safe place is to express how they feel about comics. You can tell them to come here, because we might not always agree, but we do love to hear everybody's opinions about stuff. And kind of the differing of opinion is what makes all of this stuff go around, and what makes it interesting, and what keeps you know the opinions flowing and stuff like that. So communication is always very important when it comes to comics or or anything else. Uh, and real quickly, just you know, be 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 good to each other, and be excellent to each other, as I always say. Because that stuff is important every day. It's being amplified with with everything that's going on lately. It is a topsy-turvy world, and the people that you know that love this medium, that escape to this medium with you, uh, hold them close, and keep them involved, and keep keep an open dialogue with, with everyone that you come across. Because if we're spending time fighting and arguing about stuff with each other, that's not progress. And we need to be making progress. Um, I'm going to pass it on over to Bob. And just one last time, sincerely, from the very bottom of my heart, thank you. Yeah, the, the thunder wow, and lightning. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Perfect. Um, uh joey sorry. joey why don't you go next yeah because bob's, bob's gonna, gonna be like the really and house i don't want
3: to go after that because like i'm, I'm not ready for that no um, that's why i went first i know <laughs> yeah uh, if you made me go first i'm gonna up though so uh, perfect timing um not for joey the no i've talked about this before talking comics uh has kept something alive for me that um at various times, almost went away. And that is, you know, my love for comics and my love for the medium and my love for, you know, going to the shop and reading books and talking about this stuff. There were many times over the last few years that, you know, I was like, oh, maybe this is it. Maybe this is it. I'm done with it. But then I got the invite to write for the site. And then I got the invite to join the show. And I was like, no, I'm going to keep doing this. And like you were saying, it's a place where I can really open up and be you know, nerdy about something that I really, really love. And I think that, um, it's really helped me embrace that nerd, you know, and, and really share that not just on the show, but like in life too, and be more open about the things that I'm passionate about. And, um, I hope that, that I hope, but I also see, you know, in the people that interact with us online and listen to the show and the people that we meet, like, I hope that, our openness on the show has pushed other people to do that too. Cause I think that especially in these times, like it's so easy to hide stuff and it's so easy to kind of just insulate your passions and just go online and, you know, into your little echo chamber. Um, But every week we get together and, and we share and we, we, we sit down together and we talk and we, Um, share that with the world and i think that that's something that you know we all have to do more of Um, and you know talking comics has been a very important part of my life for the last two years in particular hosting the show not hosting the show but uh was it two years when did i come on about a year and a half let's say (laughs) <laughs> um, year and a half co-hosting the show with you guys and like forever Jeremy, forever, forever right seems uh, like forever. yeah, almost two years and you know some some stuff went down in my life right before it and uh, talking comics kind of helped me through through that stuff and and has been there for me every week so um, and I think we've done that for people too. So over the last 300 episodes, you did that for me and and now I like you know doing that for other people too. so um, hopefully we get to keep doing that uh, into the future.
0: Will be there for you like you want us to.
3: Totally. And
0: we will not let
3: go. And hopefully right. we get to do a musical version someday because. Little Shop. We're doing Little Shop. Wake up. Okay.
2: Yeah, I'm, for that.
0: <laughs> I'm totally for that. Absolutely. But I need to be cast in the role of Audrey too. I have to be Audrey. I'm too. the
2: guy who knew Levi Stubbs. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I could do the voice. All right.
2: Okay, maybe. We'll have to have a, an Audrey off. We will. Yes, we, we will. will.
0: All right, Bob. Okay. I want you to just shred out, this huh? whole podcast. Okay. okay.
2: <clears throat> Focus. It, it's tough. It's, it's hard to fathom the notion that we're at our tricentennial episode. Getting to number 300 means we have more shows in the can than Full House, Bewitched, Buffy, Seinfeld, and nearly everything but the various C.S.I.s and Law and Orders. Not that I'm counting, mind you. Additionally, since we're sticking with our legacy numbering, we'll continue to climb the charts. So look out, Homer Simpson. <laughs> When I began appearing on this podcast as a special guest for episode number 7 on November 29, 2011, talking about the just-released Fantastic Four 600, and not to equate these two things, we had barely 300 listeners, let alone the tens of thousands we have now. And I say that all that to lead into some very personal musings. These five-plus years in all of your companies have been truly special as I've been privileged to watch an amazingly inclusive community grow around our passion project, one that continues to be engaged and touched by our hopefully thoughtful discussions about comics and the thorny issues that can surround them. As we've gathered each week around the ethereal campfire, illuminated not by burning embers, but by the glow of computer screens and smartphones, I'm always humbled by the very fact that you're out there, dear listeners, I may not know all your names, but through your words, I know your hearts, as so many of you have reached out to me directly, dating from our first Women in Comics presentations to lovely letters that I received from Lila, Brett, and Francisco of this very week. So to all of you, my humblest thanks. I've been doubly blessed. As many of you have reached across the electronic divide to become friends without whom my life would be much the poorer. So to Sarah, Carolyn, MSDC, Hugh, Maria, Bronwyn, Adam, and so many more, words cannot adequately convey the depth of my feelings.
5: Mm -hmm.
2: None of this would have been possible without my amazing colleagues, past, present, and future. So to Brad, Brian, Steve, Stephanie, Joey, Mara, Melissa, and Jessica go my deepest thanks and love. It was an extra special nod to Mr. Bobby Shorla for bringing Talking Comics to life in the first instance. Through this enterprise... We've seen friendships blossom across continents and seas. Relationships deepen and marriages begun. Mm-hmm. So as someone who has not as many calendar pages on the wall to pull off as he once did, can there be a better legacy than that through this medium we all love that we can bring together so many diverse people who embrace and embody our best and most heroic natures? Excelsior. Shh. <sighs>
0: that was wonderful bob thank you this show really is kind of like a time capsule or at least it will be at one point yeah
3: and the radio waves actually just emit out into space that's right yeah out there was voyager of course these aren't radio waves though so no (laughs) but the metaphor stands
0: it does it does Uh, what doesn't stand is us anymore Mm-mm. on this podcast, because we're going to wrap it up. We're going to have something a little special for you after the ending uh, closing music. So stick around for that. But otherwise, I think we're ready to wrap this thing up. Can I get a yay? Yay.
3: yay.
2: All right. <laughs> I'm, cr- I'm crying, so you got to bear with me. All right,
0: that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Talking Comics podcast. As always... You can send us your comments or questions through our email, podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com. We are also on Twitter at Talking Comics. Don't forget to check out TalkingComicBooks.com for news, reviews, and articles about about comics, video games, and TV shows. We also have podcasts of every flavor, including Talking Movies, Talking Games, Talking Valiant, Legendary Runs, D&D Adventure, and more. Bob, where can our listeners find you?
2: Uh, wherever they're pouring a glass of scotch at this time of night because I need a drink.
0: Mm. <laughs> Bob Reier uh-huh.
2: TalkingComicBooks.com
0: And how about you, Joey? At
3: Joey Buccino.
0: And I am at dead underscore Anchorus on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us for this very special episode. We can't wait to jump into our reborn, rebooted new iteration with our new co-hosts and we've got a lot of exciting things planned for you guys thank you so much for sticking with us both listeners old new and everyone in between you guys make this show and uh we love you for it so until next time on talking comics to be continued
1: Time veteran listeners will know my voice. Some of you who are newer to the show probably don't know my voice quite as well. I'm Bobby Shortle. I am the editor in chief and founder of Talking Comics. And I just, unfortunately, due to circumstances, going kind to of be beyond my control. um Just stuff that happened tonight. um I'm Not able to be a big part of the show, which I'm very sad about. I really wanted to celebrate with everyone and, and bring in this amazing, amazing um, milestone, 300 episodes. I couldn't have imagined uh, nearly seven years ago, we're just a little shy of, I don't know, six years ago, 2011, right? Six years ago, just a little shy of six years ago. Um, we started this thing and I never would have guessed that uh, we have gotten three hundred episodes. I mean, three hundred episodes is is a ridiculous number of episodes. It's it's pretty insane. Basically, have not really missed a week in the six years that the show has been going. The show really never misses a week, which is also a pretty uh amazing thing. It's meant a lot to to me over the years. I mean, I've made amazing amazing friends um through it. It, it, it people who can't went from being listeners to contributors to now some of my best friends in the entire world um it's opened up a whole universe of people that I never thought I was ever going to get to meet and, and talk to and, and over the years especially doing the comic stuff I was able to talk to some of the biggest writers and artists in the entire industry and that was always just crazy humbling and and, and weird to be able to do and and is one of the things I'll look probably most fondly back um from my time doing it the whole thing has really been about the people and the relationships and you know i knew bob before he started this whole thing and um we were already friends and this has linked us in even in a more even deep and interesting way and uh he is just as good a person and just as amazing as he seems um, on on the air, and uh, he's one of my best friends. And obviously, we do the Dungeons and Dragons things now to keep. It, it's a lot of it was in the idea of how it was to make sure we kept seeing each other and hanging out, and that's what this has really become in in many ways is is a circle of friends and and, and a family, and everyone who's come through, and to, for Joey and Mara and Steve and everyone, Stephanie, um it has really changed and shaped my life in ways that I could never have really imagined. And I think that what I owe most is a big, huge thank you to everyone who has ever downloaded a podcast, sent an email, sent a tweet, Facebook message, um, left a review. Anyone who has touched my life or any of our lives through this thing, um, you know, time is a precious thing and you've given us lots and lots of it over the years and we wouldn't do it if it wasn't for you and that's a really amazing thing about I think today's society and today's world is that every week a few thousand people listen to people on this site talk about comic books or video games or play D&D and it's it's amazing that there, you're, we're able to carve out these little societies and cultures and worlds for ourselves now. And I, I'm really proud that what we've accomplished and what we've put together um, here at Talking Comics and, and TC in general. And I think especially in light of everything that has happened over the last couple of years but especially this last I don't know eight months um, and even more focused in the last couple of weeks to remember what it is we stand for and to reiterate that this is a place where everybody who loves this stuff who wants to talk about this stuff can feel safe and welcome and able to share who they are and be who they are and not be afraid of abuse or be afraid of discrimination or be afraid of any of those things that have become so unfortunately prevalent in the rest of the world. We aren't perfect, um, but we are trying our best to be a safe haven for people. Um, And I'll read it again that that is true unless you decide to be Uh, one of the people who is abusive or an asshole and then you're not welcome here because this is a place for people who want to enjoy each other want to enjoy the 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 hobbies and the interests that they love and feel safe not feel feel safe not having to hide who they are i want just everyone to remember that and, and to know that and i think we've managed to do a pretty good job of it and and that's one of the other things that I'm most proud of. Um, So just again, I want to say a big thank you to my immediate and extended uh, talking comics family Um, and a big congratulations to, you know, Steve and Joey and Bob and the new people they have coming on, which they'll talk about. It's an awesome responsibility and, joy to be able to do this every week and have people care about the things that we say um so i just want to say that i love you all and thank you thank you thank you so so much it's gonna be a ride so here's the 300 more and until next time to be continued